Leading Britain's conversation. This is LBC with Steve Allen. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC. Morning, everybody. It's Friday. You are permitted to stand up and go, woohoo! Not if you're driving, incidentally, at the moment. You'll have to explain to me, or somebody will need to explain to me, why it is in this country the, the courts appear to be sort of operating different systems, depending on where the court is. So, in other words, if you're fined for driving in one particular area without any insurance or MOT, you get fined one lot. If it's done in another part of the country, you get fined again. Stuart Hall, for his sexual abuse, gets, of, of a number of people, gets, I think, a sentence of 15 months, then they added another two years on top of it. Strangely enough, a footballer with one conviction could get up to 10 years. Are these all... I mean, Stuart Hall, 13 girls. 13 girls. I'm not kind of exonerating a footballer. I just don't understand why you abuse 13 girls and get uh, a total of about three years, and yet one girl, if you're a footballer, and it could be up to 10 years. How do they work that one out? I really don't understand. I'd, I'd quite like to, like, you know, to understand a bit more about the court system and what they base it on. Because I don't, I don't quite get it at all. Plus, it turns out now she could be going for compensation of up to a million pounds. And, uh, and at the end of the day, the whole thing is just, it's just icky. It's just icky. Why you'd want to give it up? So obviously he was, a, he was a sexual predator. I'm not taking that away from her in any way, shape or form. But uh, you can understand. They did an experiment. Did you hear about this? They did an experiment at a football club. Was it Arsenal? where they got somebody who is very good at pretending to be other people online, who pretended to be a girl, who was a fan, and she wrote to lots of players to see which one of them would bite and would take the bait. And it turns out quite a number of them took the bait. And they had to sit down and explain to these footballers, listen, people who write to you might not be what they seem a lot of the time. In this particular instance, you've been hoodwinked. They all think, oh, yeah, we wouldn't fall for things like that. But they did. They did fall for things like that. And so they had to be spoken to to say, listen, if you go onto the internet, if you go onto some of these social networking sites, the people you're talking to might not be the people you think they are. We've seen it in America. We've seen boys in this country who've been fooled into thinking they're talking to a girl. But in the case of footballers, don't ever think that they're intelligent. They're thick most of the time, but they're earning a fortune. They're earning a fortune. We're told that the uh, the Sunderland footballer used to have an app on his telephone which accessed porn. And a friend of mine said yesterday, but I thought loads of people had this. And I said, well, probably they might. I mean, I haven't. But I'm assuming loads of people have got an, an, an app that leads them directly to pornography. It's the most accessed thing on the internet. I just don't understand how. Stuart Hall gets 18 months. Then they went oh, too low, another two years on top. So that's uh, four years in total, approximately. And then... The footballer, with one conviction, could get up to 10 years. What, what is the difference? What is the difference? I don't understand what the difference is. The people who, who uh, Stuart Hall targeted, and there were something like 13 of them, certainly weren't people who targeted him. He targeted them. I would have thought that made it worse. And yet here is a footballer. Admittedly, he could lose and has lost everything. They said, well, one of the papers have said he's still going to be playing football in prison. He's going to be mixing with... Uh, a lot of people, Huntley, a pervert, uh, Levi Belfield, a pervert. And so they're going to put him in there. Yesterday we had that that uh, really odd headline, the pedo in speedos. And everybody said to me, I think he's just wearing his pants. 
Didn't look like Speedos to me. We've got a rough idea of what Speedos look like on this programme, and that didn't look like Speedos to me. So I can't understand why in certain parts of the country, and if it's a media profile case... Well, actually, even that doesn't work, does it? If it's a media profile case. Stuart Hall was high media profile. Gary Glitter, high media profile. You know, and Rolf Harris, high media... I don't even... What did Rolf Harris get? Can we find out what, what Rolf Harris's sentence was? Because he, again was interfering with young girls. This footballer, as I say, I'm not taking anything away from it, one person. There might have been other people, we don't know, but they were overage. This one was underage, but I'd like to know by how much underage. I'm curious as to the as to the facts, because, you know, we know it's 16 in this country. She was 15, but was she 15 and a half, 15 and three quarters? Because it, it's almost like, you know, in between this day and that day, that's legal, that's illegal. And yet, as we pointed out yesterday, lots of the people coming into this country from the Eastern European outlands, the age of consent for many of them, including Germany, is 14. 14. And so you can understand people thinking, oh, well, that's all right to go for this person because they look older. For 12 indecent assaults, 12 indecent assaults, Rolf Harris got five years and nine months for 12 indecent assaults on four, four girls. One was aged just seven. Now explain to me and equate to me how a footballer, pervert though he might be, with one conviction can get up to 10 years. How, I mean, how does that work out? How does that... I don't understand how you can have something... Do they, are they not all singing from the same hymn sheet? Are they not all... You know, you go, listen, one girl, 10 years, two girls, 20 years, three girls, 30 years... You know, for all the amount of girls that Rolf Harris interfered with, he should be in prison for life. And for Stuart Hall, prison for life, it was less than five years. For all those girls, Gary Glitter, another pervert in prison, probably die in prison. Footballer, one girl, could be ten years. Um, how does that work out? I don't... And also, he didn't actually have sex with her. It was an interference, but I don't understand how the law changes in all these different courts. Are they not all working from the... Is there not a standard book that they go for this offence, for the gravity of this offence? We've been told before that they're all terribly, terribly serious offences. And so we understood that. I mean, most people were fairly shocked, weren't they, with Stuart Hall. They went, what, 18 months? How is that possible? You know, having discovered that the BBC protect people because they're VIPs, you know, and Sunderland were told a year ago about this footballer. A year ago. And so they suspended him. Two weeks later, he's back in again. Even his teammates were saying yesterday, you know, he used to keep this app on his phone and show people pornography. I mean, perhaps he was obsessed by it. I don't know. I don't know the bloke. I, I really I couldn't care less. I never treat footballers any differently on this programme to, to Z-list celebrities. I'm, I'm really... They're all exactly the same person. One drunk driver is exactly the same as another, whether you're in Downton Abbey or you're not in Downton Abbey. It makes no difference. If you drink and drive, you're going to get nicked if you're caught. So it doesn't matter whether you're a famous person or you're a non-famous person. It, does, it really doesn't matter at all, as far as I'm concerned. You know, if you're, if you're a child abuser then I couldn't care less whether you're the biggest celebrity on the planet. You're a child abuser and that's the end of the story. The fact you're a celebrity means you're an even bigger prat than we thought you were in the first place. I mean, it is, it's just ridiculous. You know, I mean, there are these sentencing guidelines I'm aware of. I know that the clerk of the court will advise. But um, it's just ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. I mean, these sentences should be increased. 
you know, irrespective of whether or not it was historical. And most things nowadays appear to be historical, don't they, when they go back 40 years. I mean, the Jimmy Savile stuff went back more than 40 years. And as you've all pointed out to me on the programme over the weeks and the months, you can't remember last Thursday. So how on earth you'd ever remember something from that long ago? And people say, well, you just would. You just would. And you go, oh, well, I mean, I, mean, I, can't, I can't remember cars. Actually, and yet I do remember odd things. It's funny the things that you remember. We were talking the other day about, um, about uh, Hong Kong because I was in Paul Cooper's shop and a Chinese guy comes in and we were, he'd just come back from Thailand and we were talking about Hong Kong. And I think he was quite surprised that I knew all the places that he grew up in in Hong Kong. So we had a, a long chat about that. And then John said to me, he said, what do you remember of Hong Kong? I said, well, I remember bits. I remember bits of it. I, I don't remember specifically. When I see uh, cine footage, it, it triggers something. Like for most of you, you'll look at old family photos. That's what I like doing. I like sitting down occasionally because we have lots of photo albums because I pinched some when we did the one man show so I could take pictures of me as a, as a child. And, uh, and you look at things and then you do remember, don't you? But do you actually remember? When you see a picture of, I was talking to John about me in a rickshaw. He said, oh, was that, was that the guy on a bicycle? And I know he pulled it. They pulled it. There was no motorised rickshaws when we were in Hong Kong. People were pulling the rickshaws, barefooted, barefooted. So the first bit of cine film of us in Hong Kong is me and my brother sitting in a rickshaw. My father explaining to the bloke, just run up the road, turn round and run back down the other side so he could film it. And he paid him. And, um, and it's so funny because you get this toothless man who must be, must be since long dead, long dead. But uh, he's, he's on our cine film. Of, of running up and down the road with me and then running back down the other side. And then he stood there and smiled because people didn't have cine cameras. They didn't have cine cameras. We had a, it, The film lasted three minutes. So you had to do a lot and it was clockwork. You wound it up and then you took the thing. Then you sent it off to be developed. Then it came back. We used to have cine film shows in our house. Like most people, slideshows or whatever else. Slideshows I thought were boring. <gasps> God, were they dull. We used to go around to one of my aunties and uh, they'd go, oh, we're going to get our slideshow out of our holiday. Oh, God, honestly, you wanted to go on to Valium. You'd sort of sit there and they'd get the projector out and the screen and we'd all sit down like good people. I'd be looking around thinking, how long before I can go to toilet? And, uh, and then they start. OK, this is, this is the ship we were on. So we spend about five minutes just looking at the ship. I mean, I seriously could have wandered in and out of cabins quicker. And so they go, and, this, and as, as we sort of set off, this was, the, this was the, it's just sky. Sky and water, OK? It's like Australia. This is the outback. This isn't the outback. This is the outback. This is a barbecue. This is the outback. This is an Aborigine that we met. Uh, this is a barbecue. And this is our house. And here's a sunset. And here's Ayers Rock. You know, and it's all very nice, but it's a bit spread out, isn't it? It's a bit... We, we, we've discussed this before. We had this thing the other day, and I'm, I'm sorry that I had to break it to you, that a lot of the voices that you hear on, on LBC are not what they purport to be. You think that Darren Adam is Scottish. Now, as we discovered yesterday, he's not. What he is, is he's making up the quotient of, of the indigenous population. We're trying to make it sound as though... So very shortly, you'll hear a Welsh voice on LBC, and you hear an Irish voice on LBC. But at the moment, you've got a Scottish voice, like we have one of the Scottish newsreaders. He's not from Scotland, Bethnal Green. And, uh, and they've, sort of, they've given him key words to say. They do it to lots of people on here. I'm possibly the only person who is exactly what you hear is what you get. There's, there's no difference. I don't come off air and sort of start, you know, talking like that and all the rest, you know, as in South London. Because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just me. And I've got an interesting voice. Even I admit that most people say to me, I recognised you from your voice. So I'm always forbidden when I go to the theatre with friends to, to talk. 
Because I have to sit there just in case there might be somebody going, are you Steve Allen? <laughs> Halfway through a play or something. And you go, I am. They go, I thought so. I recognised your voice. <laughs> We always do that. Anyway, uh, on the programme this morning, because it's Friday and I'm not, I'm really, I, I couldn't really care less this morning. Nothing ever wipes a smile off my face on a Friday. I love it. We have, uh, we've got our Satsumas. We've got our, our texts and our emails. And we've got the newspapers. And we've got some good stories in there. We've got some bad stories. We've got some stories to make you go, mm, don't like that one, Steve. But uh, it all gets thrown in. It's a potpourri. We'll talk about a couple who lost their £100,000 savings to a cousin who was a con woman. We found a con man who pretended that he was in the services and uh, and still, even after he was exposed as a fraud, he's still insisting I was in the Paris number two. No, you weren't, sweet cheeks. You really weren't. It's a shame that people tell lies. Victoria Beckham goes out for a burger, doesn't eat it. She just sort of walks past and with a photographer, so that's quite handy. And Spencer Matthews, dreary little old Spencer, uh, who now claims he wasn't thinking properly. When he took steroids. Really, Spencer? Honestly, how funny. I often wondered where your mood swings came from on that Made in Chelsea programme. Now we know. Now we know. 84850 uk. Everything put in on the programme this morning. All your texts and emails. If you're particularly stupid, and I've heard a few stupid people already this morning, then uh, I just put you into the sin bin. And, uh, and that's the end of any friendship you have with anybody at all. You can't communicate. You can't write. They just go into a dustbin. And then every so often somebody empties it out and, and you disappear. That, uh, that always makes me smile, as you all well know. Quarter past four. And everything else. But, but you just said that the logbook was a valid logbook. Yeah. And the insurance was, was in place. And but not in his name. Nick Ferrari at breakfast. Every weekday morning from seven. Only on LBC. Nick of the team this morning, as the French president says, he wants the UK to stay in the EU and warns of the consequences for immigration and the economy if we leave. Is Britain's relationship with France cordial? And what do we think of the French? That's going to be interesting, isn't it? I don't think the French have ever liked us. They burn sheep in the streets. Don't you remember we had all sorts of things going on and it, it turned out to be quite nasty. And they close everything in the afternoon. Must be the only nation where everything closes for, uh, for a little bit of a rest. So you'd go over there and uh, you go, oh, I think we'd go out. Oh, it's all closed. But they do have boulangeries, which is nice. As the Match.com rapist is jailed for life, how safe is internet dating? Well, on that one. Uh, we'll tell you about the part of the country which is finding those who swear in the street. How on earth are they going to stop that? How is it entirely possible? I watched the Jeremy Kyle show the other day, or as I prefer to call it, let's go bear-baiting old Kyle who couldn't keep his marriage together. Ha, 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 ha. Because he didn't keep his eye on the ball at all. And so they've got a woman on there whose, whose boyfriend is... Um, he's a, um, he smokes dope. Well, he was just nasty. I mean, he was he was quite clearly off his face. And Jeremy did his usual thing. Look at me, look at me. He does that all the time. He <laughs> just, what do you mean, look at you, look at you? Look at me. Listen, I can help you with this. And here's, and they bring on some bald-headed bloke who apparently is sort of the saviour of all people on the show. But they're all mad as broomsticks. <laughs> That's why we watch it. It's also phone farage today. James O'Brien would be thrilled. Your chance to put your questions to the UKIP leader. So Nick and the team from 7 after the morning news with Lisa Aziz. Caroline Wheeler, political editor of the Sunday Express, will be in the studio. There are sentencing guidelines, Steve, but it's so subjective depending on the judge. The courts are crazy. I work in a court and there's always huge discrepancies. Uh, the differences between Stuart Hall, Rolf Harris and the football was the sentences were changed after the Jimmy Savile case. Yeah, I, know, I explained earlier on that what they did is... So, in other words, if somebody was... Um, 
16, when the thing occurred, when the state of when the uh, the age of consent was 18, then because it's now changed, they look at it differently. So in other words, the age of consent for gay people, well, at one time it was illegal, then it became 21, and then they dropped it to 18, and now it's 16. Uh, but in Germany and in Austria, it's 14. It's the same for both both genders. They don't make any discrimination at all. So it's historical. And so uh, Johnson will be sentenced using the 2016 sentencing guidelines. It just doesn't make sense, though, does it, that you can abuse young children... And, and because of the guidelines in the courts, you get sort of a lesser sentence. It, it really, I mean, we know that kids nowadays, because the papers tell us about it. It was only a short while ago, the Sun were telling us, that children as young as 11 are sexting, which is taking pictures of themselves and sending it to other people and then using it to blackmail people. I mean, the whole thing's gone completely round the bend, hasn't it? God, I mean, I'm sure it was better before we had mobile phones. It must have been. Uh, Tony says uh, Johnson will be sentenced with regard to the law of today. Stuart Hall can only be sentenced by the laws of the time, hence the lowest sentence. It just doesn't make sense, though, does it? It really doesn't. It's it's just absolutely appalling uh, nowadays. Uh, Steve, the French hate us. Yes, everybody says that. They all say the French have never liked us. The British one would not like the British. Uh, Ian says, if a judge has sentencing guidelines of five to ten years, a hanging judge might give the maximum. On appeal, a liberal judge might actually reduce it. Wow. And uh, I'm the Gary who said hello to yesterday. That made my day. So thank you. He says, good luck with the Radio Times vote. Lots of support from Greenford. Yes, I mean, I'm getting lots of support from all sorts of people in the business, which is uh, which is lovely. This is, if you haven't heard about it, I don't want to don't want to drag it out for you because it, it, it sounds awful. But there's a list of people in the Radio Times dot com, uh, 20 men and 20 women whose voices uh, they say are what do they say? They don't call them unusual or unique, whatever it is. It's sort of a voice that you would listen to because it, because you trust it. You know, what is it about this voice that you like? So there's 20 women in there and there's 20 men and I'm in the in the male list, which is lovely. It's very flattering. I mean, all the other people are well-known. I'm the only one who's not well-known in there. Everybody else, you know, they've all done national things and, you know, football commentators and programmes with millions. Well, I don't have a programme with millions. I've got a very loyal audience. But uh, we seem to be gathering momentum after James O'Brien put his weight behind me and said that I was his favourite presenter. He's after something. There's something not right there, is there? When James O'Brien starts supporting you, you start thinking to yourself, wait a minute, what does he want? He never takes sweets from me. If ever I've got chocolates in the office or things, he never takes that. He's obviously looking after his weight. And then a friend of mine, Rich, who works on another radio station, he started drinking some of these peculiar smoothies where you mix up, you know, asparagus and mango and things like that. He brings it in and it just looks like a sample of somebody who's fairly sick. And uh, brings it and he's eating and he's drinking that. Whereas I don't have one of these uh, juicers. It's never quite interested me. I'm not really a juice sort of person. Re- I mean, really not a juice sort of person. I'm, I'm, I would like to be, but I just can't can't get excited over it. And I can always tell when people go into Paul's shop if they're going to be juicers because the uh, because they'll come in and go, um, we'll have some spinach and a little piece of ginger. And and so the, and they put it all in there, and some grapes and everything. And you chuck it all in, and then you get sort of whir it up with some ice and water, and that apparently is good for you. It's good for losing weight, but I was always told it's very bad. Oh, incidentally, talking of losing weight, try not to laugh today. Gemma Collins, puffed up old uh, woman of the age of uh, about thirty-five, I think now, is going on loose women with her mother. Now you'll know where she gets it from, okay? So you'll watch two people, one with a really silly little voice of a three-year-old, and the other one is the mother. 
And so Gemma Collins on Loose Women. Somebody said, you've got to watch it. It's going to be absolutely horrendous. Or was it yesterday? Anyway, it doesn't matter. And then I turned on the television the other day to hear Fern McCann. Why do they put people's voices on the television? They, they can't speak English. Yes, yeah, so like, we you know, was this preacher. She did all the stories that I did two days ago. I don't know why this morning are paying for that. You're paying for old news. Might as well just take and lift my uh, my free podcast and run that. Put a picture of me up on there and go, look, this, these are the stories. Oh, she's doing exactly the same. Although Pip Schofield did notice that uh, Steph, what's her face? You know, the old drunk who was uh, who was on Celebrity Big Brother, had an affair with a bloke with tattoos all the way up his neck. I mean, you know, it might look quite pretty now. When he, when he gets to about 30, he's going to look like the biggest dipstick in the entire country. And, of course, you know, have to have them all taken off again. Poor Solon. They're a bit simple, these people. Anyway, so their relationship, which was on, then off, then on, then off. And then Philip Schofield said, to be honest with you, he said, I really don't care. He backtracked a bit yesterday. He said, you know, I've met them. They're really nice people. I thought, come on, Pip. Come on, matey. Dear God in heaven. They're not. They're a bunch of old scallies. You know, he's already cheated on her with somebody else. And she's an old drunk. What more can you say? But uh, they were on there yesterday because uh, Fern, yeah, so like, you know. In fact, she looked a bit like Rylan. There must be something about Camp Essex men and butch women that makes them sound exactly the same. Because they, she sounded exactly the same. In fact, if you closed your eyes, you know, I wish I closed my ears, but you close your eyes and she sounds like Rylan. It was very disappointing. Perhaps they've lost him. Bit of a result that would be. But anyway, so, uh, so she was on there. And apparently Stephanie and Watsit have split up again. And so Philip went, he said, I really don't care. He said, I really don't care. He said, you know, I'm not interested, you know, in Twitter. Just stop telling everybody about it. Exactly. It makes them look like a pair of old tarts, doesn't it, really? Doesn't matter. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. And um, it's interesting. I think, Steve, that uh, the age of the, uh, of the perpetrator of the crime and how long ago the offences were committed has something to do with the sentencing. Yes. Interestingly, though, in Johnson's case, in most of Europe, he would have committed no offence with a girl of 15. Well, th- that's not strictly true. Uh, a, we're not in Europe. We're over here, where it is 16. So if it's under that, the law says you've committed an act. Whether it makes you a paedophile, I don't know. I, we had we had a big discussion yesterday about about you know if I if somebody says to me so and so is a paedophile I'm assuming that the person that they've uh, that they've they've done the deed with is around between ten and thirteen that's what I'm thinking or in some of the uh, the convictions we've seen recently even younger I've not uh, I've not actually understood anything else at all about somebody I know it's fourteen in some countries I know that Lee Baldry on the way home tonight Do you know I watched Lee Baldry the other day I'm watching. Stephen Milne, because he's so slim. And I'm looking at Lee Baldry, who's just sickeningly good-looking. Why do they put sickeningly good-looking blokes on the television to do these roulette programmes? I mean, it really does not make me feel any better first thing in the morning. I'm sitting there looking like the poor old... I mean, if there was a hidden camera in my sitting room, I'm going to look like Buddha in the morning. So I'm sitting there in my pants... As you do, you know, I mean, nobody else there. Well, Teddy wanders in again. Anyway, that's another story. You know, and you're having a shave, and then you think... It's, occasionally, I do think, if there, was, if there was a hidden camera, you know, I'm going to look like the worst person in the world. I could practically rest my cup of tea on my stomach, which is quite, it's quite a pleasing thing to do, because it's quite warming. But uh, I, I sort of, then you turn on the television, and I do flip through the... I, go, dip, 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 dip. I can guarantee, by the time I get to Channel 3... Because I've had an old programme on ITV, uh, sorry, on BBC Two. I get sort of a bit of a newsy type programme with some people uh, on one, which is, which is OK. And I generally check 
quickly on the news thing to see if anything's happened. And then by the time I get to uh, to number three, uh, I then get all the good-looking boys. And, and they're sickeningly good-looking. I mean, they must spend all their time in the gym. I don't, as you can tell, I do not spend all my time in the gym. I'd love it if I did. I might, you know, sort of have a, have a better body. But, you know, I watch Lee Baldry and I look at Stephen Milne and I think, must be quite nice to actually put a shirt on and tuck it in. Because I haven't tucked a shirt in since God knows when. It's embarrassing, isn't it, really? But there again, if you've got the body, Lee, I've always said, show it off. I was only saying that to, uh, to George Sampson the other day, who now pops up in Emmerdale. This is George, who won Britain's Got Talent, and who probably unwisely revealed himself in all his glory on the internet. Why do people do that? Why do they do it? LBC News Time, 4.30. Latest headlines for you. Tanya Snugs. The word. Steve Allen on LBC. Nice to have you company. Well, <laughs> just as I was going to start the programme, they wander in, don't they? Other radio stations. <laughs> Never mind. Lovely to see you. Thank you. Not a word of English. <laughs> 84850, steve at I do love it when people want... Are you bringing tea in? Oh, right. Is that for me? Yeah. Oh, right. That's very nice of you. How much money do I have to pay for that? I'm bound to have to pay for that. Do you want an orange? That's a good deal. There you go. That's a good That's deal. A very good deal. There you go. You have an orange. <laughs> they just wander in in this studio. Nobody cares. They just wander in. They pop in, have a word with Steve. He'll be all right about it. Oh, you take the tea away again now. And the orange. Oh, and the orange. I'm now down on the deal. Oh, House of Cards season starts uh, today, I think. Is it today or tomorrow? I've never seen House of Cards. Have you seen House of... No, see, I've never seen it either. It's not an Australian programme, so you probably wouldn't be interested in watching it, would you? You're probably still watching Neighbours, 1976 or something. <laughs> Mrs Mangle's still in it. Anyway, uh, what have we got? Uh, quickly, da, 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 um, da, 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 da. I'm just quick, quickly whizzing through, because I just found something a short while ago on my uh, on my text, and I've now lost the blasted thing, isn't it? Typically, it comes in and then it vanishes again. Jonathan Shallot tweets quite a lot, which I quite like, actually. I don't know if he's tweeting or somebody else uh, tweets for him. Because I, I tweet for myself, and then sometimes other people tweet for me as well and monitor the uh, monitor the site, which is quite nice. Uh, so my friend Kevin Hughes as well, and uh, oh, that's right. So Lee Baldry, obviously the girl he was following last night was uh, Anna Jardine. He said, "Step aside, Anna Jardine. It's my turn." That sounds like a line from. Um, from Hairspray. It's your turn. It's your turn now. Uh, even Ian Dale said yesterday that the uh, BBC Question 9 panel was uh, was the worst ever. Poorest ever. I think poor it stands for bad as well. They just can't find anybody, can they, really? they um, it's, it's very difficult to find people on there. And then sometimes they put people on and you think, why have you put these people on there? Dreadful. Uh, Darren was talking earlier on about the attacks on guide dogs. Isn't that dreadful? Isn't that dreadful? I just, I've, honestly, as if people who are blind didn't have enough handicaps without, you know, another dog coming to attack theirs. And they showed a bit on the television yesterday. And I think it was, um, it could have been the Housewives of Cheshire. They were certainly a bit brassy and a bit made up. And they, um, and they're going out with these three huge dogs, one of whom was a puppy, which then went to attack another dog. And the woman who owned it, I mean, quite clearly an idiot of the first order, was dragged along the pavement. You shouldn't have dogs like that, should you? They should, and so they had to bring in the dog whisperer who sort of eventually gets these dogs traits. So why do people buy dogs and, and and then they don't bother going to puppy training or anything at all? They just seem to think that they're going to be OK, but uh, it doesn't work like that, does it? Uh, Nigel sent me a lovely picture of, uh, of Ina Sharples, Wilfred Pickles, pianist, 
on uh, on Have a Go. God, I'll tell you, people like that. There's a, it's a lovely picture, actually. It's a picture of Ina Sharples uh, and overlooking these uh, streets, which Coronation Street started off as, and the uh, and the smoke rising up. God, love to have been around in those times. Love to have been around in those times. Um, another one here, and uh, uh, somebody says James O'Brien was hosting Newsnight. Have you heard him? He puts on a voice for it because really, hello, welcome to Newsnight. <laughs> and then he does it in his sort of his posh accent. He seems to have lost some timber. Somebody says, obviously listen to Katie Hopkins, and then they've sent that to me as well, which is quite sweet, isn't it? Quite like people sending me things. I'm all in all in favour of that. Uh, Lee is now crying. <laughs> crying. I don't know, tears of happiness or whatever. It's Friday. Tears of it's Friday. I, th- I love Friday. I absolutely love it. I really do. Uh, very quickly, some more of you. Uh, I never saw you as a juicer, Steve, says James. I've always seen you as sausage rolls, egg roll and cheese rolls. Oh, an egg roll. No, not an egg roll. You wouldn't see me as an egg roll. No, definitely not. You see me as a sausage roll, quite definitely. With flaky pastry and proper sausage meat in it. Not the, not the rubbish that they put in on the stations nowadays. Yeah, ghastly. Um... And, and a cheese roll, yes, you would see me as a, as a crust, and it would have to be a crusty, a crusty uh, roll. It would have to be a crusty roll, and it would have to have Branston pickle on it as well. I look, oh, <laughs> raised eyebrows from next door, like I've committed the cardinal sin. Ooh, cheese with Branston pickle, you common little so-and-so. You could just see him, like, oh dear, honestly. So here, I'm munching orange melon, I ask you, ladies and gentlemen. Dom and Dom is Piscean, he says, I'm 54. On the 7th of uh, March. 54 on the 7th of March. Happy birthday for the 17th. And um, another one here. Uh, apparently, somebody says uh, that the 15-year-old received uh, death threats during the trial. Listen, internet trolls are everywhere now. It's not, it's not unique to her. Not unique to, uh, to anybody. It really isn't. It, the internet troll, that's why they're, they're changing the law. And they're going to make sure that people uh, get... Uh, get dragged into court. They have to. They have to. Because you can't have anything like that. I mean, that, that's nothing. I would assume the, the, the moment she went... And also, I mean, how she received death threat. How do people know it's her? How would you know who it is? She's never been named. Never been anything at all. So when you say she's received online death threats, from whom? Who would it be? What, you mean her name is out there, is it? I think not. And I'd be very careful what you say. Get yourself into an awful lot of trouble saying stuff like that. Uh, another one here says, 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 oh, a lot of people talking about, f- don't talk, I've decided I can't talk about food this morning. I really can't. I mean, having seen my friend Rich and seen what he's drinking, I've decided I don't want to go down that route. So I will tell you about um, uh, the bitter ex. This is uh, Cheryl Spagbold's ex. And um, she reckons that Cheryl and Liam are a stunt. They've got a picture of Cheryl on the front page of The Sun. Well, she's become so emaciated now. Seriously, this bears no resemblance to her. As I say, with clothes on, bad enough. With them off, as I said, must look like a deck chair, I should imagine. Badly made, or round the wrong way. Uh, they've also got uh, today the miracle cure to kill cancer. Oh, if only. If only it was so true and so simple. Wouldn't it be absolutely wonderful if we can actually find... But, uh, you know, a cure for cancer would be brilliant. But there are so many different cancers. They can't even find a cure for the common cold. So what possible hope is there to find a cure for cancer? We keep pumping money into it and we have to keep doing it because eventually round the corner there might be the cure. And then you think for all those people who went before, for all those people, and you must know somebody in your family or a friend or an acquaintance, somebody who's died of cancer. And it's tragic. It really is. Excuse me. It's absolutely tragic in this day and age. Uh, Madonna and Guy Ritchie. Now the story is, okay, Madonna... Big international uh, star. 
obviously firmly up her own rear end by most of accounts. And uh, she's got a son called Rocco, which she had with Guy Ritchie. And uh, Rocco doesn't want to be with his mother. I can quite imagine it. I can quite, well, I can't imagine it. But I mean, seeing what a control freak she is, uh, I would think that Rocco wants to be with his dad. And his dad is Guy Ritchie, and he's living with him in London at the moment. So Madonna goes to the court to try and get him back. And the court went, basically, why don't you just do one, love? Sort it out between yourselves. This is not a court matter. Presumably, Rocco can stay where he wants. And the more his mother, and I'm only telling her this because she might not have the intelligence to realise, the more she tries to force him to go back there, the more he does not want to go he, don't, he quite clearly, and you don't have to, he quite clearly doesn't want to be with his mother. He wants to be with his dad and his other pals. He doesn't want to be with his mother because that must be a nightmare. OK, we're going out today. Wait a minute, Rocco, she'll be saying. Uh, is security in place downstairs? OK, you're going to walk straight out of the front door. Oh, mother, do one. And so the judge has thrown it out and said, listen, sort it out among yourselves. Don't be so stupid. Uh, Guy Ritchie has been very discreet throughout the whole of this and that's why I'm assuming Rocco wants to stay with him he doesn't want to be with Madonna I should imagine that must be your worst nightmare and the more she uh, she you know, pursues this legal action the more he's going to hate her the more he's going to hate her in fact you know, they're not, he doesn't want to go back with her so at the moment they seem to be doing some, de some deal whereby he's with daddy until it gets to term time, and then for school holidays he can go home. Well, I reckon he won't want to go home. Why would he want to go home? The restrictions must be a nightmare. You know, really must be a nightmare. So he doesn't, he doesn't want to go there. He wants to stay with his dad where he's got a bit of freedom. He can go out on his bike, he can go and hang out with the Beckhams, you know, and their photographer, and so get pictures. He just doesn't want to go with his mother. You can understand it. You can understand. Oh, by the way. Sort of ruin your Friday. But if you were hanging on to the notion that you might have won the Euro Millions nine days ago, somebody's just come forward and claimed it. And uh, they picked up £24 million. Pounds. That'd be lovely. You imagine. I've all, I fantasise over that all the time. In fact, I've spent a lot of my life fantasising. But it's always over winning the Euro Millions. And, and somebody goes to you, oh, I've got the thing here. And it's six zeros preceded by the number 39. And you go, have I won 39 million? Yes, you have. Brilliant. And then I think you might swear. But that, that would be quite nice. 39 million. But they've won 24 million. It's going to change your life, isn't it? It doesn't matter how old you are. If you're a clever person, you can make that work for you. You don't want to buy a business. Just have a nice life. And, uh, and, and sort of, you know, go on your holidays. And, you know, you can buy your car. And you can, you can do all sorts of things. With 24 million. Actually, with 24 quid, you can do quite a lot of stuff, can't you? Are the Foo Fighters splitting up, says Dorman Dom? No. I've told you that now. Told you that now. That the, that the Foo Fighters have had to dispel all the myths. They've obviously got an album out, haven't they? Saying that uh, we're not splitting up. Nobody's going solo. OK? Nobody is going solo. So do do try and, uh, and, and, and get it right. So it's OK. Uh, Kenneth says, during your... Handover, you asked if you were a typical Piscean. As a diabetic, you're uh, concerned about your feet. I'm also a Piscean. Over the years, I've troubled with my toes and feet. And uh, I've been told many years ago uh, that Pisceans will always have problems with their feet. You see, I don't... I think you can adapt all of these things. I'm going to... I'm going to... I'm going to find my star signs in the papers today. And I'm going to look through them. And I'm going to decide. And you have to guess... In your own, we're not going to sort of do this on a phone vote or anything like that. You just have to decide in your in your own mind exactly whether you think I'm telling the truth about the star sign because some of them are applicable to well, I think to just about everybody. 
I seriously think they're just about... They're all adaptable. And most of them, I'm told, are about 10 years old, and then they just recycle. Here we go. In the sun today. This is Steve Allen's star sign. Um, the moon in your sign catapults you centre stage where everyone can see how the lunar high affects you. So do you think that's true of Pisceans or false about Pisceans? What do we think? Do we think that's true or false? OK, time's up. Uh, the answer is false. That was for Capricorn. OK, try this one. Try not to linger over personal issues or you'll overanalyse everything you've achieved and be left feeling downhearted. You're probably gearing up for the imminent lunar high. Is that Piscean or is that somebody else? Time's up. That's Piscean. You see, it's, it's, it's adaptable to just about everybody. How about this one? Don't be surprised if you experience an odd feeling of unease, even if you can't quite put your finger on why you feel so unsettled. Is that Pisces or is that somebody else? Time's up. That's Aries. But it could be Piscean, couldn't it? It could be Piscean. It's like, you know, today... I mean, let, let me do a, a generalisation for you, OK? Today will be a mixed day of emotions for you all. See, I'm general. I'm doing all the star signs, everybody. It'll be a mixed day of emotions. Something might arrive in the post that might set the cat among the pigeons. But don't worry, because by early evening, you'll be looking to a brighter outlook. You see, now that covers everything. There might be something that arrives in the post. That something could be a bill. They always generalise over it. When you used to see Mystic Meg on the lottery, th this poor old woman used to come out. She was a secretary at the News of the World. And when, in the last one, June Penn moved on, they moved Mystic Meg in and they bought her an acrylic wig. And so they put her an acrylic wig on and then she'd sit on the lottery, surrounded by mist, and she'd go... <laughs> she'd go, and I see a green door. And you think, well, that's a generalisation. Most people have got green doors. And the number six... Well, I mean, so if you were the number six, you then go, she's right. She's right. I've done the thing before with you. I'll do it again very quickly. Think of a card. How many of you thought seven of hearts? There you go. See, proves it. You didn't think seven of hearts. You probably thought Jack or something, didn't you? Seven of clubs you thought of. Oh, that's interesting. That says a lot about you, actually. That's the dark side. We'll come around to that in a moment. It's uh, nearly, well, gone uh, a bit. Quarter to five. L Leading Britain's conversation. Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Morning, everybody. It's nice to be company. Friday, you can go woo and be very happy about it. And uh, how could I not vote for you, says Susan. Listen, sweetheart, there's deep chocolatey and then there's smooth, clever, enticing mocha. Obviously, I'm enticing mocha, I should imagine, if you were going to vote for me. Young Neil says, you talking about Hong Kong. I've just been looking at this photograph of RMS Queen Elizabeth uh, rusting. Not away in Hong Kong, sad to see. It is rusting away. I know, it's awful, really, isn't it? And uh, yes, I did. Thank you. Oh, look at... Oh, dear, how awful. RMS Queen Elizabeth in Hong Kong Harbour. Dear me, honestly. I don't like seeing things like that. I really don't. It's very, very depressing. Very, very depressing. Very depressing. Uh 84850, please help my brother. Majid thinks Gemma the Hutt is fit, says Arshid. Um, I think, really, he needs some medical help as quickly as possible. I don't think you're actually going get, to uh, get over that one. Um, another one here, which is uh, talking about uh, voting. And uh, so, so vote for your favourite male radio voice. Actually, when I look at the, uh, at the list in here, it, it is quite impressive of sort of people, you know, people like... Uh, you know, Ken Bruce and Charles Collingwood and Barry Cryer and Alan Green. And then you get 
Steve Allen doesn't quite make any sense, does it? Even I, even we all thought it was a bit bizarre. But I'm I'm grateful to take it, and I will take it. I have to. I have to, ladies and gentlemen. It's uh, it's in the Radio Times. Uh, I said, what do they give you, says Ange, if you win the award? I've got no idea. I mean, it's never going to come up, is it? So it doesn't really matter. It's going to go to, I mean, it's a BBC magazine. It's got to go to a BBC person. It's going to look very embarrassing if somebody not from the BBC wins the blooming thing. So I mean, they're, not, they're not going to be acknowledging it. It's a case of uh, Steve Allen came third. Which, I mean, you know, I, I don't care. I don't care. I'm just, I'm just grateful to be on a list. And, uh, and uh, somebody says, Steve, if you won the Euro Millions, would you continue to do your show? Do you know, that was, this, is the, this is the dilemma that I face nowadays. At my age, I, um, I, I did say to a friend of mine the other day, I would definitely retire if I won Euro Millions. I would definitely retire. And somebody said, no, you wouldn't. I said, no, I would, seriously. If I won the Euro, it would have to be a substantial amount of money. If I won sort of five or six million, then I wouldn't bother retiring on that. That would just sort of mean an upgrade uh, with sort of car and house. And, uh, and that'd be it. You just carry on. You take some holidays and things like that. And make sure you had a bit more money to leave when you go. Uh, Paula says, you're making me hungry now. Crusty cheese and pickle rolls. I may have, may have to have one later. You can get six crusty rolls, I think, for a pound in Greg's. Six crusty rolls with butter on and then a slice of cheese and then some Branston pickle. Oh, yum, yum, yum. Yum, yum, yum. I, say, I wouldn't even be bothered about bacon in it. You cannot beat cheese and pickle. Funny, isn't it? The earliest sort of memories of having sandwich. Somebody said the other day, they said, how about some uh, peanut butter sandwiches? And immediately I saw peanut butter sandwiches. Immediately I could see them. I could see the bread that's so soft and beautiful. Good quality bread, not the rubbish you buy nowadays. And peanut butter. And then I thought... Perhaps you could add some cucumber to it, which would make it make it quite nice. And and I bought. Oh, I knew what I'd forgotten to bring this morning. I went out yesterday. I've got a bit of an addiction at the moment. You know, every so often I get an addiction for certain things. This is for yacht play, and it's a drinking yogurt. And and I was I was having one at the meeting the other day, and Adrian Sherling went. Have you seen how much sugar's in? You know, it's, there's always somebody next to me. Who's going to pick on the poor old diabetic going, have you seen how much sugar there is in this thing? I said, yeah, but it's low fat. He said, yeah, but it's sugars. Look, look. And he showed me on this other thing. And I'm like, oh, God. There's nothing you can have nowadays that's sort of not got sugar in it. And so anyway, so yesterday I, I got a craving. So I went out and I bought 12 bottles of Yacht Play because it's only a quid each. And I thought, no, a quid each. And so I keep some in the boot of the car because it keeps it nicely chilled. It's like having another fridge. And because I've got a freezer and I've got a fridge and then I've got the boot of the car so I can keep the Prosecco chilling away nicely if I need it. And I keep my water in there as well. It's so handy, so useful. And, and on the way back from the supermarket, I drank a bottle of Yacht Play and it was the best indulgence. You know, thick liquid going down your throat, ice cold raspberry. Absolutely delicious. Absolutely delicious. And so I got back home and I thought, I'll definitely take some in to work this morning. I'll take a couple of bottles in, one for me. No, two for me, and, uh, and and I didn't. I forgot. I forgot because the car turned up a little bit earlier than I imagined, but that was good. Uh, so we'd love to find out. Do they still do hot dogs and pizza in the Costco cafes? Yes, of course. No, they're never going to change things like that, are they? Never going to change things like that. They're always going to stick to the same things. I've only ever had a slice of pizza once. I'm not really. Um, I'm not a huge pizza person, but my um, my friend Rich says that he's discovered one of the pizza places that do an extra, extra large pizza for about 30 quid. I said, but it only costs them a couple of quid to make the thing. But he uh, he likes the idea of pizza. He thinks he could buy them. Him and the missus could sit at home with sort of a nice bottle of wine or something and get some pizza. 
Because I could eat pizza now, and I'm, I don't eat pizza. I'm not a pizza person. And I could. it would have to be ham and pineapple. Ham and pineapple. I don't know why that goes away. You go to Italy and you ask for ham and pineapple, a Hawaiian, they think you're mad. They think you're absolutely stark staring mad. Because nobody eats uh, eats things like that in, in Italy. They have proper pizza. But, you know, I think it's it's a Western thing, isn't it? It's over here. It's over here. And it becomes then che- ham, cheese and pineapple. It's a wonderful combination. I don't know who ever thought about that. But that's like buying um that's like buying uh sweet and sour pork or chicken. It always comes with pineapple bits in it. And I always get really excited. In fact, I might have Chinese tonight. I haven't had Chinese for ages. I keep thinking I'm gonna have Chinese, then I never, never actually get round to it. Uh what else have we got? The the hole in one story today and the prize car, which turned out to be not the prize car. I love the idea that the animal rights charity PETA have asked Harry to join. Bit of a conflict of interests, okay? Have you seen it? Have you seen it? The conflict of interest between Harry joining the people for the ethical treatment of animals, whereas all the people in his family wear bearskins on their head. Black bearskins. Not fake, not acrylic, dead bears on their head. And they've asked Harry to join PETA. Do you really think it's going to happen? Actually, doesn't know. And Air Miles Andy, the most useless member of the... Sorry, one of the most useless members of the royal family. Prince Andrew takes a helicopter to do his gigs. He takes the Queen's flight, costing £6,000, which he could have done in a car for 530 quid. But uh, Prince Andrew, firmly stuck in uh, in some century from long, long ago, uh, decides that because he's Prince Andrew, the one with the two useless daughters and the ex-useless wife, in fact, seems to run in their sort of section of the family, doesn't it? Useless, useless, more useless terribly useless and just bloody awful and um and so he took a a, a helicopter because the weather was bad he couldn't do the first one obviously he really is what a snob what a horrible person we don't like prince andrew at all don't think anybody likes prince andrew cheese and onion crisp sandwiches steve oh i'm not sure about that one cheese no i I can't do crisp sandwiches no i tell you what i do like cooked chicken with um with uh salad cream that's quite nice. That's like having a chicken salad, though, isn't it? If you have chicken salad and salad cream, that's actually very, very, very appealing. Very appealing. Uh, other stories which are making the uh, the papers for today. Uh, four inches of snow to hit the UK. I've now decided that we've got this far in, and in London we have, fingers crossed, touch wood somewhere, we have escaped the snow. We've managed to get away with it. I know in Scotland, I spoke to a lady the other day, she said, oh, I'm just going up to uh, Scotland. And I said, oh, right. I said, have they got snow? And she went, yes, I think so. And I went, oh, I'm so sorry for you. And then I thought, then I looked at a lovely picture yesterday in the papers of some snow, and I thought to myself, that's great, isn't it? Lovely to sit there and look out, maybe of a hotel, and to look out the window and to see the snow coming down and sit there eating a lovely cooked breakfast, some nice sausages, some bacon, some beans, some toast and a never-ending supply. I'd love to better drink orange juice. I really would. Ice-cold orange juice kind of does it for me, but uh, another avenue of pleasure denied. Occasionally I might have it, but not for not for years now, I don't think I've had orange juice. Um, other stories which are in the papers today. Ronnie Wood's ex-wife, Joe insists the Rolling Stone is not totally off his rocker as he prepares to become the dad of twins. He's 68. Well, he's not going to see them grow up, is he? I mean, quite clearly, unless he's going to live to be a few hundred years old. He's not. Time ain't on his side, said Joe. She says, I don't think he remembers when the babies couldn't sleep and when they were ill. She says, uh, back when he had his kids, he was flying high on coke and booze, so he missed all the crying. Now, of course, at the age of, uh, of 68, but looks older... 
I mean, what possesses somebody to get somebody pregnant at 68 when you're so old and ancient? You're not going to see them growing up. It's like Elton John. You know, his uh, his kids are very young. I mean, he's, he's going to be pushing up daisies, isn't he? Before they've even got to their sort of late teens, which is a, which is a great shame. Uh, there's also um, the story here of uh, stars taping, taking a swipe at Donald Trump. It's Hillary Clinton that gets me. You've only got to look at her to realise. I'm not at all surprised that old... Uh, Old uh, man-boy Clinton went off with somebody else. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. Yes, you did, you silly old fool. Honestly, nothing worse is the... And then Hillary goes around there looking for all the world like a, a latent hamster who stuffed their cheeks up with all sorts of sunflower seeds. Coming up, the news at five o'clock this morning on LBC. The hole-in-one prize that led to a something like a £10,000 bill. It all went a bit pear-shaped, so we've got some advice. Uh, Daniela's former toy boy, this is Daniela Useless Westbrook, he yelled a rude word at her in an East End uh, pub in a little bit of a tirade. Uh, the big freeze could last till April. Uh, stop online dating predators, says the judge. People go on dates, don't they? We used to have a dating show on LBC, but we were very careful to say meet somebody in a very public place. Nowadays, it's very, very dangerous. The grey-haired migrants posing as children to seek asylum. It's pathetic, it really is. Madonna turns nasty. Jacko's kids in the money. And uh, the beggar's Aldi was smashed, his Audi. Do you remember, £40,000 car, and people went, way, he's a beggar. No, he's not. On Leading Britain's conversation, this is LBC with Steve Allen. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. Welcome to Friday, 4th of March. You can go woohoo. The big freezes here may last till April. Four inches of snow in certain parts of the country. The uh, the fan who lodged uh, lobbed a lighter onto the pitch got away with it because they said he was stressed. Looks like a thug to me. Uh, if you work for BHS, your job's under threat. They're looking to axe loads. 90 stores could be closed down. Does anybody shop in BHS anymore? The Lotto Mistake sees uh, lovely Lynn win a cool million. And uh, the uh, publicity-shy, hungry, desperate-for-it Beckham family take a picture of their daughter. And then people point out, including Philip Schofield, how dirty their floor is. Yuck, 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 yuck. Perhaps they don't have a cleaner. Perhaps Beckham can't do it. And the grey-haired migrants posing as children to seek asylum in the UK. And uh, we've had it before. How old are you? 14. No, no, not at all. Uh, Steve, uh, you're so right about Prince Andrew and the Royals. Yes, I mean, put it this way, it, it's just absolutely, uh, absolutely mad. Elaine, the bus driver, says, can you tell me why the radio in the bathroom has different adverts to the main one in the living room? Ah, well, there you go. Different adverts coming out on different frequencies. That's what it is. I had special Chinese curry last night, uh, says CJ. Pork, duck, chicken, peas, onions and king prawns. God, it sounds ghastly. What a horrible combination. Pork and duck and chicken? Oh, dear. That's, what on earth do they call that? Special Chinese curry. That sounds like let's throw all the uh, stuff we couldn't flog into one pot. Sounds horrible. Don't like that at all, I'm afraid. You can't win me over with that one. Definitely not. Uh, somebody's listening, Sandy, on a sun lounger to this programme by the Indian Ocean. Oh, dear, honestly. I hate it when people just brag about their holidays. <laughs> Love it to pieces. So if you work for British Home Stores, they're, uh, they're going to close them down. Now, I knew that this, this was happening ages ago. And if you remember, you can go back and trawl this programme uh, more than uh, 18 months ago. And the reason I knew is because I'd been into British home stores in Kingston, gone down into the basement to try and find some hankies, I think. And the woman 
on the phone behind the counter was having a fairly indiscreet conversation about... I mean, there was only one person I saw working downstairs in British home stores. Must be shoplifters' delight, I should imagine. And, uh, and she was saying, oh, the figures are terrible this week. And uh, somebody from head office is coming down because uh, people just don't... I don't know why. We've, we've fallen out of love with BHS. They've got, I think, 164 stores. Um, they think that 90 of them could close... Um, uh, they lost in the year to August 2015, they lost 85 million. They also face a pension deficit of around 207 million. And they've uh, they've got the board meeting to try and decide what to do, uh, how they can rescue it. And to be honest with you, I'm not totally sure that they could. I mean, to be honest with you, the announcement's unlikely to come as a shock to anybody who's visited there. The, show, sh the stores are now dominated by price cuts and promotional messages in a desperate ploy to drive sales, but it just doesn't have anything going for it. It does look to me, and I hate to say it, it does look like it's sort of stuck in a time warp. It really does. I don't think anybody cares about BHS anymore. And uh, we're losing it. The first one opened in Brixton in 1928. And by the end of the 60s, 94 stores, then they expanded in the 70s and the 80s. And now they're going to start closing them. Whether or not the whole chain gets closed down, I've got no idea. I have to wait and see. The other day, we were telling you that little Harry Durbridge, one of the useless members of the, uh, of the Towie lot, who had a little clothing shop, is closing it. He says, because the lease is up and, uh, and he's going to be doing it all online. He said, because I've done very, very well for myself. I can't imagine why anybody would want to go and buy anything from him at all. I mean, I don't, he, he was never known for fashionable things. It's just an excuse, isn't it? What will I do? I'll have a shop. Oh, right. So do you design things? It's like Gemma Collins. They seem to think she designs things as if. Uh, you're quite right about Hillary, says Jamie. Her hair is only topped by Nicholas Sturgeon's. Looks a bit like Jimmy Cranky. Yes, I mean, I have to be honest. It's, um, it, she is odd looking. She looks as though she's had surgery, but probably bad surgery. Whereas Donald Trump just looks as though he's been dipped in creosote and somebody's stuck a dead ferret on his head. It looks absolutely ridiculous. I've never seen anything like it. But the Americans seem to uh, to like that kind of thing. I don't know why. They just uh, do. Uh, Steve, in New Zealand, uh, I made a monstrous pizza. A monstrous pizza. Uh, for less than 12 quid. Chicken, bacon, mushroom, tomato, cheese, peppers, onion and Brussels sprouts. Oh, dear. <laughs> Not too sure about that one, Tim. Not too sure about Brussels sprouts on a pizza. You could probably grate Brussels sprouts. I still think the simplest ones are the best, aren't they? The simplest pizzas are the best. Here's a, here's a lady. She's very happy. She's a grandmother. Her name is Lynn Groves. And Lynn uh, goes in every week to buy her lottery tickets. And every week she goes in and uh, she buys her lucky dips. Anyway, uh, this time round, uh, they gave her the wrong tickets. They actually printed off lotto lucky dips but she got euro millions slips instead so anyway they noticed their mistake and they gave her a different set of millionaire raffle numbers to the ones that she would have had anyway uh, she then discovered when she looked down there that she had nothing on the euro millions but on the uh, on the other ones she had a million pounds so she's going to buy a new car for her partner mick martin and her children Gemma, tracy and richard she wants to thank the shop manager pierce newton by paying for a holiday to australia and she plans to give something to the till assistant who sold her the ticket in chelmsford everybody wins i'd watch it you won't have any money left here by the end of it and she's going to do different little bits and pieces she said it's very generous of her the lad on the till just pressed the wrong button euro millions and lotto are next to each other and so she got a, a new audi and um, 
That's a, that's the daughter. And, of course, everybody was very, very pleased about it. You can well imagine, can't you? See, that's what I call doing something nice with a million quid. You know, normally somebody would sort of say, oh, a million pounds. You know, you can't do a lot with it. She's going to do loads, apparently. Uh, BHS West Ealing is going to be 88 flats with a roof garden, another plot on the high street landscape with balconies to hang laundry over. <gasps> Isn't it ghastly? I hate it when they put flats up and then everybody puts different curtains at the windows. Above Lloyd's Bank in, in Twickenham, the uh, flats, which are beautifully done up and they all sold very quickly, mainly to student parents buying them as a, some sort of an investment, over £350,000 they were looking for. And they all came with beautiful roller blinds inside. What have some people done? Got rid of them and put curtains up. Makes it look like a squat. Makes it look absolutely ghastly. It's full of drunk students hanging around by the bus. Oh, it's horrible. It really is. They've cheapened it. Something chronic. And they're going to put them on the, on the roof of Lloyd's Bank to take it up to the side of the building next door. So, uh, so there's going to be more. So if you thought you'd bought the top floor, forget it. You're going to get even more flats on top. That's what they do nowadays. They convert everything, don't they, into flats. And then some of it's got to be social housing. Oh, dear. Want to live next door to that, do you? At all. So the picture of, uh, of Beckham, and they keep tweeting their picture. They must be so desperate. One of these days, the photographer's going to go, do you know, actually, we've got enough pictures of an emaciated wife. We've got enough pictures of Davy Boy, who's had a new tattoo on his finger now, the number seven. I mean, it's so pathetic. He's so bored in his life. He's so, he's so underused. There's no work. Nothing at all. So he has to go out for a walk. So there's a picture in the papers today of Victoria going out with half the family to go to a, a burger place with a photographer so they can get a picture of her going out there. I mean, she looks, you know, as miserable as sin. She never looks happy. She can smile. I've seen her smiling. Take my word for it. She can smile and she looks great smiling. She just chooses not to. And I always think that's a bit of a shame. It's like I was looking at, uh, at Hello magazine and on the front they've got Jerry Hall. Well, my God, if this isn't airbrushed, I don't know what is. Seriously, seriously airbrushed. And then she's got that awful voice. I tell you all. She's from Texas, apparently. And, uh, I mean, I've never seen anybody so airbrushed on the front here. But she's marrying a very, very old man. Uh, plus, they get to join Adele backstage. And then they've got various other people. But at least it's, it's slightly classier than OK Magazine, which puts all the, uh, the low-rent people in. And so they, they go backstage at the Brit Awards. They've got lovely pictures of uh, Ant McPartland and Declan with their better halves. Ali Astle and Lisa Armstrong. Lisa Armstrong had obviously made no effort whatsoever. And um, and poor old um, uh, Ali Astle was holding hands with her, her other half. He looks like her carer. Dreadful picture, dreadful picture. Then they've got a picture of, uh, who else have we got here? Brooklyn Beckham. They're not God's name he was doing. They're 16 years old. What was he doing there? And at one point, walking around with a, a glass of cloudy liquid. Oh, I do hope it wasn't uh, booze. Does he actually do anything, Brooklyn Beckham, or does he just pose for photographers? I thought he was a barista or something useful, but apparently not. And he does go to school. Oh, what school that is? The school of the mind. We've never seen any pictures of him at school, have we? I've never seen any pictures uh, of any of them going to school. And I'm sure they must do. I'm sure they must do. Mind you, it's always nice when they actually get to see their mother which means that she's sort of back from uh, from touring. Uh, Chris says, I voted as well. Thank you very much indeed. Everybody talking about juices. You can get them about £100, but no, you can get them much cheaper. Oh, no, I've seen juices for 40 quid. Yeah, I mean, it's you can go to uh, supermarkets and buy smoothies. I don't think, actually, you're supposed to drink that many smoothies, are you? I think smoothies are, are supposedly uh, a bit bad for you if you, if you drink if you drink too much of them. So you've got to be careful. Uh, yoghurt cuts the blood pressure risk in women, not men, in women. 
I don't know why, but they say that uh, men eat much less yoghurt. Do they? Oh, I love yoghurt. Oh, I love it. It's not supposed to be much good for you, is it, really? Uh, then there were the two gun women armed with machine guns. Uh, they say the, uh, the women, members of the leftist terror group called the Black Widows, were later shot dead. So uh, dead Black Widows now. They're so stupid, these people, aren't they, really? They were in Istanbul. They hurled a hand grenade. They arrived in a taxi and then they fled to a building which was surrounded by Turkish soldiers and they just blasted them to pieces. I watched one of those Essex-type films the other day, which was something to do with diamond smuggling. The language was unbelievable. Especially when you hear that there's one part of the country where they're going to ban swearing. I don't know how on earth they're going to... Are they going to have police going around? They're going, sorry, did you just swear? The... I did. Why don't you do one? You know, I mean, the police... Well, you're under arrest for swearing. Yeah, why don't you... I mean, the whole of the Jeremy Kyle show will be in prison, if that's the case. They spend their whole life swearing. Whole life swearing. Oh, by the way, Top Gear lurches from one disaster to another. Do you remember the other day I said to you, I wonder what the budget is for each episode of the show? Well, apparently the BBC are now going to spend how much on every episode of Top Gear as the bosses panic over the series failing? I can tell you it's going to fail, and I'll tell you for why it's going to fail. It's because the buffoons at the BBC who think that any publicity is good publicity, have underestimated the British public. The British public wanted the original team. The moment the BBC turned into a bunch of girls' blouses and started firing people left, right and centre is the day it died. How much are they lavishing on every episode now? This is an extra on top of the budget for the programme. On every episode, an extra £200,000. Jeez. This is the turkey of all turkeys. The turkey of all turkeys. If they stop spreading stupid things like Matt LeBlanc and Chris Evans get on and all that kind of... We don't care. We don't care. Just get on with the programme. Apparently, it's already been cut. I think from eight programmes to six. Whatever it is, it's not looking very good at all. But uh, they aren't... Uh, apparently, for each series, Matt LeBlanc is being paid £500,000. A failed actor. £500,000. on a pro. Who cares? He's an American. We don't want him on there, thank you very much indeed. Quarter past five. This was, it was in place. And this but not in his name. Nick Ferrari at breakfast. Every weekday morning from seven. Only on LBC. Nick of the team at seven as the French president says he wants the UK to stay in the EU and warns of the consequences for immigration and the economy if we leave. Is Britain's relationship with France cordial? And what do we think of the French? More to the point, what do they think of us? And as Match.com's rapist is jailed for life, how safe is internet dating? We tell you about a part of the country finding those who swear in the street and its phone farage. Your chance to put your questions to the UKIP leader. That's Nick Ferrari tomorrow from 7 after the morning news with Lisa Aziz. Incorrect information from Jim. Uh, they are not closing Greg's in the high street of Twickenham. Don't tell lies. They're closing the factory on Twickenham Green. It's completely different. The store remains exactly the same. There's no management restructuring at all. It's manufacturing. Honestly, why don't people get things right? It's so annoying. BHS, Steve, are in danger of going the same way as Woolworths. They both forgot that they started as low-priced stores and tried to go up market. I don't think Woolworths ever tried to go up market. And I don't think BHS has ever gone up market. Woolworths were the poundland of their day, but they changed. Well, they were the penny store, weren't they? But they changed and BHS are in danger of joining them in the history book. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm of the opinion that they will actually, Kevin, just, just close them down eventually. Because every time I've been in the one in Kingston, I've practically been the only person in there. The only good thing about it is they do a breakfast for about two quid. 
and that's the only good thing about it. But you know, if they're going to be, if they're going to close them down or make all the staff redundant, where's the incentive for the staff? You know, sorry, you're going to lose your lose your job. You've worked here for years and years, and some people work in retail for a long time, and uh, and then they go, oh, we're actually going to going to close it down, and the site will be turned over to I don't know what it could be turned over. Poundland, I should imagine, seems to be the big growth area, doesn't it? Big growth area. Uh, so over in um, in the, in the jungle, it's over in Calais. Uh, they get Alan Yentob filming in his pyjamas. That'll be Alan Yentob, who uh, was also associated with the failed charity Kids Company, of which he was a trustee. So he's filming over there to make some... I don't know what... Anyway, uh, there was tension boiling over. He's been threatened with all sorts of things. So what have they done, the paper says, to warrant a visit from Alan Yentob? It's a shame, really. I used to like Alan Yentob until we get all that baloney about uh, about Kids Company and that ghastly woman. Ghastly, ghastly woman. I feel a bit sorry for... Um, for Heather McGillian. Uh, Helen McGillian um, was, had a boyfriend called Adonis Rodriguez. I think the sign should have been there, Adonis. Anybody who calls their son Adonis really is living in cloud cuckoo land. But anyway, Miss McGillian met Mr Rodriguez whilst they were working as hotel entertainers in the Dominican Republic. Anyway, uh, she, she got uh, up the duff with him. She's pregnant, bit of a foolish woman. You know, if you're an entertainer and you're with another entertainer. Anyway, so when, when she got home uh, to have the baby... She suddenly saw a picture of Antonio uh, Adonis Rodriguez and um, and his bride called Julia. She's a German tourist. And they got married. And she went, wait a minute. What? I thought you're... I'm... Well, you go back there and you drag him by his small spherical objects home, dear. You get money out of him. Anyway, Miss McGillian and Mr Rodriguez, who is from the Caribbean island, treated her like royalty. When she became pregnant, after a year of dating, they began planning a life together. Foolish, foolish, stupid, stupid. Anyway, she then suffered medical complications. She turned, returned home to give birth to their son, Diego. Uh, Mr Rodriguez was uh, denied a visa and stayed in the Caribbean. Shortly after giving birth, she got a Facebook message from a friend showing the photo of him getting married. She said it didn't make sense. And then she realised the woman was a German tourist uh, who was staying in the hotel. Anyway, when I phoned and asked, why is Julia in your wedding dress? There was a pause. And then he said, Heather, I'm so sorry. I hung up and burst into tears. You foolish woman. You couldn't trust him. He was an entertainer in a hotel abroad. You were a bit of slap and tickle. Oh, dear me, honestly. Anyway, she now looked like me. She's lost weight, dyed her hair to look like me, only with added wrinkles. But um, anyway... Miss McGillian has returned to the Dominican Republic with Diego, who's now three months old, and is allowing her father to, father to visit. She said, despite everything, I want Diego to have a father, but it's very hard. Foolish girl, foolish girl. Mr Rodriguez then said, yes, I'm married. Julie is my wife. Uh, I was still with Heather when I married her. I want to say so sorry because Heather's had the kid. Oh, you foolish woman, honestly. What a complete buffoon. What a complete buffoon. You only got to look at him to realise he's untrustworthy. Girl, blimey, everything about him says untrustworthy. He's quite clearly just intent on having as many children. As long as he pays for it, I couldn't care less. But really, if you're going abroad as an entertainer, dear, don't be foolish and get pregnant, please. Oh, dear me, honestly. Dreadful, dreadful, dreadful. Also, the paper today, uh, logging on could reduce dementia, the risk of dementia. Logging on, apparently, is really good for you. Uh, and this, the story about uh, PETA, the animal rights charity, asking Prince Harry to join his friend Joss Stone and support their I'd rather go naked than wear fur campaign. I wonder really because his father, his brother, his nephew, head army regiments where thousands of soldiers wear Canadian black bearskins on their heads. 
Let's see whether old bearded Harry, you know, how many engagements the other month was it for the royal family? Was it just one or did he not manage one? I can't remember. He's getting as lazy as the rest of them, but he does do charity. And apparently that exonerates you from everything else. In Harry's uh, case, doing charity means being flown out there on a privileged flight, having a picture taken, kicking a football around, coming back home, going to bar. That's it. That is his, uh, that is his extent of charity. Uh, the most PC fashion show ever. This is very interesting. And uh, this one here has got all sorts of people. As part of Paris Fashion Week, they've got uh, a black model. Don't see many black models. Uh, a plus-size model, for that read, fat. Uh, a transgender model, uh, who is uh, Andrea Pejic, who was born Andre in 91. Her Bosnian parents fled during the war, emigrated to Australia and is transgender now. They've got a size 14, swimsuit superstar, middle-aged. Another transgender, uh, longing for love, Harry Neff is another one of the transgender trailblazers. Unbelievable, isn't it? They're all over the place. A catwalk queen from Korea and a pensioner who's 65. Oh, and there's also somebody who's an ex-alcoholic mum, age 42. So it's a very PC fashion show. Transgender's everywhere now, isn't it? I'm beginning to wonder, actually. I've started looking at the people in this building. I wonder how many are transgender. I wonder how many people working for LBC. I'm going to look closely at that Petri Hoskins next time. I've decided. <laughs> I think she could be. <laughs> You watch, I'll get a text from her later on today. What did you say? <laughs> uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Being, uh, being Friday, uh, being the... Ob oh, of course, I mean, you can only go woohoo uh, if, of course, you're not working the weekend. If you work the weekend, you cannot go woohoo because this is the start of your week. So you'll be in today, then you'll be in tomorrow and in on Sunday. And I've suddenly realised I shouldn't be going woohoo either because I'm in tomorrow for the best of Steve Allen, between five and seven tomorrow morning. And I'm in on Sunday morning with In Conversation. And you want to know, don't you, who is going to be on In Conversation? Uh, well, I can tell you this week, it's it's a real cracking twosome. Every week, it's it's good. This is this is really good this week. We have the fabulous Alid Jones, who's going on tour very shortly. Really good conversation. Really good. Co really. I mean, I say it every week, but you know what it's like. Uh, but he's excellent. And Sir Ranulph Fiennes. As well, talking about being 71 and uh, and the things that uh, that you do when you're 71. Plus, we talk about exploring. We talk about his fingers, which he had to cut off with a circular saw because of the frostbite. Uh, it, two really good conversations, really, really good conversations. So that's on Sunday morning between 5 and 6 a.m., repeated Sunday night between 9 and 10 so if you're fans of either Ali Jones or Sir Ranulph Fiennes, that's when you can get to hear them and you can podcast them as well. But I am here tomorrow morning between five and seven as uh, we play the best of Steve Allen for the week. So between five and seven, you can join me tomorrow morning. So if you're one of those early risers on a Sunday game, I wonder if Steve Allen's around today. Yep, between five and seven, just before breakfast with Andrew Pearce. I will tell you as well this morning about the couple who lost £100,000 savings to what can only be described as a nasty, nasty little piece of work. The worst thing is, she's their cousin. She's their cousin. And uh, she decided to rip them off. Her name's Michelle Doherty. She's a vile piece of work, as we'll tell you. And as spring snow falls, a white Easter is on the cards. In the north, rain, sleet and snow and windy today. The high five degrees. In the south, sunny spells and the odd shower, but I don't think it's snow. I think it'd just be water tomorrow. Uh, in the north, wintry showers. The high five degrees, the low minus two. Uh, in the south, wintry showers tomorrow. Oh, whoopee-doo. 
That's a bit, a bit exciting, isn't it? But it will disappear by the time you get to Sunday when we have early showers then mainly dry. Uh, in the north, dry but cloudy later. So the north for two days, rain, sleet and snow and the wintry showers. And in the south, it's only tomorrow where we're going to get some wintry showers. But where they're going to occur, they just say the south. They don't... So I'm going to sneeze. They don't... Um, wait. <coughs> Sorry. <coughs> and another one. Ridiculous, isn't it? Honestly. I always do that. Isn't it funny how you can feel a sneeze building up? You don't know why. <laughs> CJ says, I thought Bentles was a good store when I was last there. Uh, yes, it is. Not owned by the family anymore. It's been split up. I think it's owned by a, um, a, a Dutch family or something like that, or a Dutch conglomerate. And they've split it up. There's lots of little retail areas now in Bentles. But it was a family. The worst thing was that they did in Bentles, rather was dreadful, that Mr Bentle used to have a statue inside. They had a lovely statue. The moment this other company took over, they took the statue away. They took it away. Dreadful people. And they used to have a food hall there. They got rid of that. So they put their own food in. There's, there's food all over the place. But actually, you can go and get a, a breakfast at Bentles and you can look out over the over the whole thing. I've done it a couple of times early on a, on a Saturday morning because nobody ever goes up there because everybody's too busy doing shopping. LBC News Time, 5.30 now with the latest headlines for you. It's Lisa Aziz. Sign. This is LBC with Steve Allen. So here is the sad story, ladies and gentlemen. Here is the sad story. And I, I only laugh because sometimes you can't believe the incredible naivety of people. But in this particular case, you sort of laugh because it's kind of a nervous laughter because it could happen to anybody. And it uh, appears to be the perfect opportunity for one couple to boost their savings while at the same time helping out a cousin. So Sue Partridge and her husband Simon handed over £100,000. It's a lot of money to Michelle Doherty, who assured them that her spa and makeup firm would soon be thriving. She claimed the business had won contracts with the Hilton and Marriott Hotel chain, and it was only a matter of time before it was worth millions. In fact, here comes the rub. There was no business. The whole thing was an elaborate con, supported by fake accounts and emails from bogus solicitors. In reality, the 37-year-old was a single mother living in a council house while spending the money on private school fees for her daughter and foreign holidays. She wore flashy jewellery, she drove around in hired BMWs and Mercedes and appeared to live a high-powered lifestyle, but actually she was on benefit benefits and had been made uh, bankrupt. In all, the couple and two other relatives were conned out of a total of £163,000. They are never, ever likely to get it back. As Doherty began a three-year prison sentence after the judge said she'd wrecked her relatives' lives, Mr and Mrs Partridge spoke of their shock at being betrayed. He said, uh, whilst losing so much money was bad enough, the fact it was a member of our own family... I mean, she's a thieving little toe rag, isn't she? The fraud began after Doherty and her cousin both became pregnant with their first child at the same time and began socialising. In 2012, Doherty approached Mr Partridge, offering him the chance to invest in various business enterprises, including a wedding makeup business with sole rights for the Manchester and Liverpool arenas. She said she'd bought two business properties in an old dairy farm in Cheshire and Ashfield Hall in uh, Neston on the Wirral, which were going to be developed into spas to open the following year. The couple had just inherited some money and planned to buy a larger house, but decided the offer was too good to refuse. In other words, greed, 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 greed. We can change your money. But of course, Michelle Doherty was a lying little toe-rag crook, nothing more than a common criminal. She'd been made bankrupt, uh, you know, previously. She hadn't paid her daughter's private fees, and uh, she just basically, you know, she was showing them profits of £51 million and said she planned to sell the business. And, and, and then she took the money from them and they didn't see it. They were too blind. They were blinkered. 
uh, you know, how much money it had made. Anyway, he actually took out uh, a loan of 8000 the final investment she needed in the months that... Uh, and then she stopped returning their calls. I mean, everything was just made up. She was a liar from start to finish. And uh, now her child's probably been taken into care. And um, and she's in prison for three years. It's not good enough, though, is it, really? It's not good enough. It's not it's not threatening enough to people. There is no incentive. People people will cheat the system now, and they don't seem to care about the consequences. And that's why Mary Reardon, 46, is nothing more than a common little thief. Mary Reardon took wads of notes from Pauline Guthrie's bedroom drawer while the frail 75-year-old was in the bathroom. She's a carer. No, she's not. She's a thief. She's a common common thief. And anyway, she'd been caring for Mrs Guthrie for six years, helping her bathe, getting around her sheltered accommodation. But the uh, pensioners' family became a bit suspicious when money started disappearing. Uh, the police say they could do nothing without further evidence, so they launched their own investigation. They hid a small video camera in an air freshener in the bedroom. And they caught her. They caught her taking money out of the... She's a thief. Here she is, Mary Reardon, 46, a common tea leaf, a thief. Anyway, the family took the evidence to the police. The carer was arrested and charged with theft. She stole £960. The family noticed Mrs Guthrie's money was disappearing. She knew what she'd done was wrong, but she became greedy. 14 quid one week, 60 quid another, and took home much more the following week. £200 here, 240 220 Apparently, she said she was glad she was caught thieving little so-and-so because she felt disgusted and wanted to find a way to pay the money back. You liar. Honestly, the court heard she took the cash in an attempt to help her pregnant daughter who has a two-year-old pay for housing. Oh, okay. So let's thieve from a pensioner, shall we, and then come up with some old balderdash. It's ridiculous. Anyway, uh, she had brought the money to court to pay back Mrs Guthrie. Gold knows where that came from. Anyway, she's been handed a 26-week prison term, suspended for two years, and a 12-month community order with rehabilitation. £80 cost, £740 compensation. What a horrible piece of work. Don't ever let her anywhere near any of your family. She thieves. That's what she does. She thieves. There's also a dreadful story to the paper day for I say dreadful. They're, they're, they're stories that always interest me because there's, you know, so many things that go wrong. And here is a fake para who said he fought at Goose Green. His name's Eric Baker. He's a liar. He's never fought at Goose Green or anything. He just makes it up. But even when he was confronted with the evidence and he couldn't produce anything to prove that he was there... Um, he said, have these people who sat behind their computer screens served? No, I bet they haven't. They sat at home on their keyboards. He's been uh, outed by the Walter Mitty Hunters Club. He insisted he was a serving paratrooper, but was unable to provide any of his army service records, and the army has no record of him either, because he's a liar, because he's one of these peculiar people who's been dropped on their head and uh, saying that uh, here, the, the Walter Mitty... Hunter's Club found no evidence to back up his claims. A spokesman said his bogus claims were an insult to those who paid the ultimate price and those who still suffer the mental scars of war today. There's no record of an Eric Baker taking part in any battle. There was nobody at the South Atlantic Medal Association or in the Parachute Regiment who'd ever heard of him. Uh, SAMA, which is the South Atlantic Medical uh, Medal, Medal Association, says uh, its hand-type list of the near 30,000 personnel who took part is very accurate. The only Eric Baker listed on Paradata, the most comprehensive parachute regiment website, died in the Ardennes during the winter of 1944 and was a corporal. Uh, the MOD has confirmed a man of that name and date of birth served in the army, but couldn't say which unit he served in or for how long, meaning Baker could have enlisted and then dropped out after basic training. 
But uh, Mr Baker has strongly denied his story was a lie. He attacked the club and insisted he was a serving paratrooper, but he couldn't provide any records. Perhaps once they've gone down the route of, of telling lies so much, they, they, they start to believe it themselves. They actually start to think, oh, yeah, I really did serve in the army. And they go, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. You know, why do you insist on lying? Well, yeah, I did serve with them. Well, have you got any proof of it? No. That doesn't mean I didn't. I mean, it is possible that he's so mad he's, he's just destroyed things. But uh, they can't find anything, anything about him at all. So he's been exposed in the papers today. And, of course, people will now shun him on the streets and point at him and laugh because he's deluded. Uh, talking of uh, Jan Moyer, because I like reading Jan Moyer's column in the mail, they say, are you thinking what she's thinking? No, not all the time. Not all the time. But I, she's right on Sheridan Smith, very upset that her father was diagnosed with cancer. And uh, she feels emotionally uh, the fact that she has to come out of the show for the meantime. And they've said, OK, that's fine. And then um, now her tweets made by her, which have now been deleted probably very wisely, I should imagine, uh, seem to suggest that she felt theatre bosses had tried to make her perform. You've no idea what I'm getting pressured into. They don't give up about my dad. Well, I hope says Jan Moyer, that nobody involved for a second was heavy-handed with a distraught young woman. However, she says what I said on the programme, because her parents performed as a country and western duo called the Daltons, and when Sheridan was knee-high to a banjo, she performed on stage with them. Uh, the one thing is, she's got sawdust in her bones and grease paint in her blood. And the one thing that she should do now, you know, you cannot do anything about cancer, Sheridan. I know. I know. Many of us have lived through it with our families. And uh, now is the time, says Jan Moyer, copying exactly what I said a little while ago to show what a real showbiz trooper you are and what you're made of is to get back on that stage and show your father exactly what makes him proud of you. That's the thing, isn't it? You want to make sure that your dad's proud of what you do. The show must go on. It doesn't matter if all around you is collapsing. It's the one thing that keeps you sane. It's Dr Footlights. You go on there, Sheridan, those lights come on and you forget any problems you've got. It uh, cures all sorts of ills. It's like coming on and doing a radio programme. No matter how ill you feel, you might feel ill before the programme, you might come on and magically it disappears. Not always, but most of the time, you know, and the footlights come on and it's showbiz. It's razzle-dazzle time. You've got to razzle-dazzle them. And that's what you're going to do in Funny Girl. She's playing Fanny Bryce. And she'll be brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And your dad would be really, really proud. Really proud. There was a, a thing I was... Strangely enough, I was watching on the internet this morning on YouTube. It made me cry. It made me cry. It was a, a woman getting married in... Might have been America. I don't know. I typed in best, best dances, best dance routines. And this was a woman getting married, I think, in America. And her, her husband... Uh, started doing a speech. It turned out that her father had died just before the wedding ceremony. Just be and so it was traditional, as you know, for the, uh, the bride's father to have the first dance with his daughter after they'd been married. But, of course, he died, so he couldn't be there. And with a, a quaver in his voice that is guaranteed to set anybody off, crying and sort of dabbing your eyes... The, uh, the new husband said, we've decided that everybody in the family, all the males, will have a dance and they will be channelling his, uh, his thoughts into at the moment. And so she danced with all of them and she sobbed with every single one of these people. Seriously, it was the most emotional thing I've seen in a long while. But you know me, I cry at everything. You know, there's nothing I don't cry at on the internet. I could sit there and... I still cry at E.T. I'm so pathetic. I cry at the stupidest things... It's, you know, you see something. I mean, I, I nearly cried at that picture the other day of Adele 
who turns up at that little girl's house who was 12, who's got um, cerebral palsy, she's blind, she's got everything going, but she was a fan, and she is a fan, and six six months ago, I think a year ago, she was given six months to live, and she's still living. She's got no no life at all, but her life was listening to Adele, and so Adele turned up, and I don't care what anybody says. Somebody wrote to me and said, oh, it's just a publicity stunt. I said, listen, that was as genuine as you're going to get as genuine as you're going to get. You don't have to to go and do things like that. It wouldn't have made any difference, but she turned up, and uh, I thought that was brilliant. I did it years and years ago. I had a, a lady wrote to me. Her sister was dying, and she said she's not been given very, very long. It's a very short thing. Would you go to the hospital and say hello to her? Because she loved listening to the programme. So I went to the hospital, and I went with our PR department, because they, they, they never send you by yourself. They're worried you're going to get lost or something. And I went there, and I met this lady, and she, she died a few days later. But she said to me, she said, I just love listening to you. We had somebody turn up at one of the shows. She turned up with her hospital tag still on. And I said, what are you doing? She said, oh, I wouldn't miss the opportunity, Steve. She said, to come and see you. And she had a, a hospital tag on, and she died a few days later as well. And, uh, and people do things. They summon up the energy. They summon up that, that inner strength. And so for Sheridan Smith, you have to summon up that inner strength. And you know you can do it. And it's what would make your dad really proud of you. Because he'd expect you to let the show go on. Because you wouldn't let people down, would you? Dr Footlights gets you through. And, uh, and God willing, your father and his strength as well. It's quarter to six. Eating Britain's Conversation. LBC. With Steve Allen. Morning, everybody. Uh, do not forget this coming Sunday is Mother's Day. Uh, we're not particularly bothered about Valentine's Day, but apparently Mother's Day you should be uh, slightly bothered about because it's the one time of the year where you tell your mum just how much you love her. Or if you don't have a mum anymore, you go to the cemetery or you go and put flowers down somewhere because that's what we do. And you'll go past cemeteries this weekend. There'll be hundreds and thousands of people out there putting flowers on graves and the crematorium absolutely swamped with flowers. Swamped with them. Never seen so many elaborate displays. And they're just seen for a few minutes. So at least people get to take pictures. And if it makes people better doing it, well, then fair enough. Very sad, says Sandra, about BHS. Our Woolworths became a co-op. But on Saturday, opens as a pound stretcher to the delight of local shoppers, not so much the adjacent small shops. Uh, Steve, a while ago you mentioned Kilcoff from Poundland. I bought some recently. It's delicious. Well, I'd never say it was delicious, <laughs> but it reminds me of the old days. A bit like Victory V cough medicine. Uh, looking forward to your uh, Sir Ranulph Fines interview on Sunday, Steve. Uh, Kim is in beautiful wee Scotland. Hello. Hello. How are you? <laughs> Sounded like... Mrs. Doubtfire, then. I'm so sorry. You, but you know, you don't fire. But, uh, yes, no, Sir Ranulph Fines and Ali Jones on Sunday morning for In Conversation. It's a, it's a cracking, cracking programme. It really is. It only runs an hour, and then I'm live on Sunday between six and eight with the Sunday papers. And uh, we wait and hold our breath as to see what, what ghastly stories are going to be spread before us. But I love every minute of it. I come in on Sunday morning and I go through the papers and you sort of sit there going, oh, Lord above, how can that ever have happened? But it does. So the, the papers and I have, a, have a, a real love-love relationship. I love what they do and they probably like it being read out on the programme. I just wish that the Sunday Mirror bring back Kevin O'Sullivan and his TV column because what they put in its place is rubbish. Absolute rubbish. Why, why, if something's really good, would you sort of get rid of it? Unless he was paid, you know, oodles and oodles of money. In which case, you know, or perhaps you could have sort of offered some sort of deal. Perhaps he could have done every couple of weeks or something. But don't act something that was so brilliantly written. I used to read it all the time. I think he's on, um, I think he's on the right uh, stuff this morning. I think. I might be wrong on that, but uh, him and Matthew Wright go back a long way. So that'll be good. And then poor old Gemma Collins has dragged her poor old mother 
poor old both of them actually, onto loose women. Gemma, of course, will have to put the extra big seat on for her. And so she'll be there with her mother. Doing what? I've got no idea. But in that funny little child's voice that Gemma Collins seems to have. She never quite managed to make it to adulthood, has she? Uh, Steve, I go to the Regent Street Cinema, 185 Fred Astaire. Daddy Long Legs, Daddy Long Legs, says Sue Ann. Do you know that there is um, a shop, and I can't remember which one it is now. I cannot remember. Somebody might have to tell me. But it's halfway up Regent Street on the left-hand side if you're going up from Piccadilly Circus. And when you go in there, <clears throat> excuse me, it's got all sorts of... Uh, things on sale, but it used to be a cinema. It was an early cinema in Regent Street. And you can still see the speakers in the corner in this beautiful burr wood, and you can see the projection box and everything. It's all still there. And I can't... We went in there one day. We were trying to find different hidden bits. And the one bit I want to do, I want to do a bit uh, by St James's Palace. There's apparently some old bits down there, and I need to go for a walk around there. That might have to be... Uh, might have to be sometime over the next uh, next few weeks. Because I haven't seen the Godchildren now for about three weeks, so I need to sort that out for next week. Because uh, I'm not driving anywhere if the weather forecast for tomorrow is grim. I've, known, I've driven grim down the motorway before, and it's absolutely awful. Absolutely awful. So I've decided, far too dangerous, that uh, I might have to go out and, and get a little bit excited about, about yacht play or something like that. Uh, 84850, uk. Uh, one here. A lot, a lot of people telling me about the sentencing guidelines. Uh, Nathan telling me about the new series of Top Gear sounds like it will be a complete disaster. What the BBC don't seem to understand is that people watched it because of Clarkson, Hammond and May. The show should have been ditched the moment Clarkson was sacked. Yeah, you can't resurrect something. You cannot take over from Clarkson. I don't care whether people didn't like him. I find the programme fascinating to watch because they're... Somebody said to me, they're petrol heads. I just thought that I've done Richard Hammond on a couple of occasions now, and I've done Jeremy Clarkson. I thought they were charming. Seriously, that's the, that's the extent of a programme. Now we know that the BBC are throwing £200,000 of your money per episode to try and get some good... Pu they're not going to get good publicity. This programme is doomed before it's even got off the road. People the other day, we had somebody saying they thought that, uh, that Chris Evans was a control freak. It's not. He's not a control freak. He just wants to make sure the programme's going to be right. But when you're picking up from other people, as he knows, and he can't devote as much time to the programme because he's committed to TFI Friday. So, you know, you can only stretch yourself in so many different directions. But uh, I just think... And also bringing in... You know, Joey from Friends, Matt LeBlanc. I mean, since when did anybody ever ask me whether I wanted to spend half a million pounds on it? He must be laughing. These Americans who come over here who have failed in America, then they go, oh, we're going to be, we're going to put them on. The you think, why? Why would you put him on there? Never done anything over here that's warranted anything. The follow-up to Friends was a disaster for him, and so that was axed. And then what else has he done? Oh, he's done an advert about getting arrested, which we've seen. He thinks the police are asking for his autograph, but they're not. They're arresting him for, for some driving offence. It's a, It was something that was done ages ago. And then they go, oh, he's going to be absolutely ideal on this programme. Why? Why? Why would they think that? Can't they find anybody British? Seven presenters on this show, and the budget for it per show, if they're paying him £500,000, £500,000 for a series which could be about six programmes, 500,000 quid. And now, according to the paper, they're chucking £200,000 at it per show. Two hundred. What would you possibly be getting for that? I mean, it's, it's, it's got turkey written over it already. That The more they keep talking about it and telling us and these little snippets come out, the more, the more of a disaster I am sensing. I get quite worried, actually. Really. 
84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Jules has voted for me. Thank you very much indeed. You don't have to vote. You don't have to vote. As I say, it's uh, one of those nice things. I think I'm uh, one of 20 people in the country who've been put on this list. And because my surname's Alan, I get to go to the top of the list. And if you want to vote and... uh, to encourage you, heavens above, I wouldn't do anything like that. It's uh, radiotimes.com and you just go down on the radio section and click uh, on the Steve Allen bit. You could, there's loads of other people on there. You might think they've actually got better voices, but you're not voting for personality. You're not voting for personality. You're only voting for voices. That's all you're voting. I can't remember what, what, what it is, but you're just voting for somebody's voice. So it's not the fact this is a stimulating programme, which is the number one in London. You're not voting for that or the fact that it's mildly amusing at times. You're voting for the voice. Uh, Don't forget, says Mark, four in a bed on Saturday lunchtime and another lot Sunday afternoon. I love four in a bed. This is the uh, the programme about the bed and breakfast. Oh, dear, there's some bitter people on there. Lord above. They must have learnt from this programme how to be bitter and twisted but still be entertaining because it's Mark. The other week was hilarious. The other week was hilarious. Uh, a mother and daughter act from... Might have been Romford. A little bit depressing, I thought, but uh, they had a bed and breakfast in Romford. I thought the whole of Romford was bed and breakfast. And um, and uh, they really... They didn't like anything at all. And yet when somebody criticised them, they, well, they turned quite nasty. She's playing a game. She's given us extra breakfast. Of course she had. She's trying to win a programme. Oh, dear me. Terrible. Uh, Debbie... Says, Steve, why didn't they use a UK motor racing champion as one of the hosts? Debbie, I wish I knew. I wish I cannot understand it for the life of me. They've got seven people on there, three quarters of whom I've never heard of. They sort of, te- the, you know what the BBC are like? Oh, these people are really big. In the- They're nobody's. I've only heard of Chris Evans and Matt LeBlanc. Might be a couple of other people I might have heard of. But I have got no idea why they, um, they don't put somebody. They must have had a choice of British people, mustn't they? You know, there must be UK motor racing champions out there and drivers and things like that, surely. And they've thrown an extra £200,000 at it. I mean, how much is the budget, for God's sake? I don't even like to imagine. I don't even like to imagine how much the the budget is. If they're throwing an extra 200000 per show at it, what do you think the budget... Do you think think it's about 300000 quid for just driving some cars around? They need to come into the commercial world. The BBC love wasting your money, ladies and gentlemen. Constantly telling you it's your BBC, but really it's not at all. They take the high ground and sack Clarkson, says Paul. Hypocrisy. They then keep running the repeat shows. What a farce. Oh, well, of course, the other farce is the bloke who was dropped from the Antiques programme because of the allegations of bullying. But he's been on the television every single day. Every single day. They must have so many programmes they've got in the can that they won't show. I'm led to believe there's still a Michael Barrymore show sitting in the can, which has already been filmed, which they could run, but after the Michael Barrymore incident, for which nothing ever came of, nothing ever came of at all. It was nothing. It was nothing at all. It was it was just one of those, and it was, it was a case of that was what they call really bad luck. It doesn't get any worse than that. The one thing you don't do, whether you're on drugs or not, is go out to a pub and invite people back there, and then as a result of going back there, and there might have been a number of people there and drugs were taken, somebody dies. And uh, and that was effectively the end of Michael Barrymore's career. That that just so dead, like like the footballer. We're still not um, we've not got a sentence for him yet, have we? I don't think we've got a sentence for the footballer yet. But uh, they've got a picture days before the child sex case. Uh, they say here he is with a with a, a model in Dubai. 
I mean, he's quite clearly, and, and it is possible in this day and age, and I've, I, I don't use the term lightly, he probably is some sort of sex addict. And footballers, who aren't the brightest pennies in the box, they were just people who could kick a ball better than anybody else, and he did save them from relegation. They did know. The police said they knew. They went, and he was suspended a year ago for two weeks, then they put him back in again. So, obviously, Sunderland, you know, must share some of the blame of this. Apparently, people knew... You ask around. Now they're going to start coming out. This weekend, I'm telling you, people are going to start coming out. Team players are going to say, well, he was showing us porno pictures because he had an app on his phone, which came out yesterday in the papers, that he had an app on his phone, which apparently meant that he could go straight to pornographic sites. Well, he can't be the only person in the country who's got an app to take him to pornographic sites. You know, it's not exactly difficult to access pornography on the internet or on your phone or on a tablet or anything else like that. So I don't think that should be sort of held against him. The fact that he made all the mistakes, you know, the first mistake was letting her get in the car. That was it. That was at that moment that it was going pear-shaped. And when he said to her, just, you know, just delete all the texts I've sent you, and she didn't obviously sensing that around the corner was going to be a huge fall. Coming up, the uh, the fake para again. Mummy's boys, fork out more on Mother's Day, if they remember. Well, you can't forget, I've told you a million times. Uh, panic forces up the Top Gear budget. Leanne Payne's relationship with Cheryl Watsaface is called a fake by her ex. Uh, the rap dad of 14 hit with a £100,000 bill. If he doesn't pay it, he's going to spend more time in prison. Stop him fathering children, I think. Uh, the X Factor finalist convicted in court. He was thieving money. Uh, reckoned it came from a, a gig in Dubai. Uh, Danny Ellis, former toy boy lover, yelled a rude word at her in a pub. And uh, he's been censored. And uh, what else was it? Oh, yes. Dogs dragged behind a van. On FM. Online on your mobile and on digital radio. Leading Britain's conversation. This is LBC. From Global's... Leading Britain's conversation. This is LBC with Steve Allen. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC. Morning, everybody. It's four minutes past six. It's Friday. It's the 4th of March. It's the weekend. And according to what they're saying, snow tomorrow. But it might just be wintry showers. I personally doubt it, although I've been proved wrong before. Apparently, if you live up north, you've got it as well. So we might as well enjoy it while it's here, because then it'll disappear. But the cold weather takes us through until April, they've said. All your texts and emails this morning. The Lotto Mistakes, seeing a lovely lady called Lynn getting a cool million pounds. The dreadful photograph of some yobs in a white van, dragging a dog around a council estate. The dog is on a lead. Uh, luckily, they've got the uh, the pictures, and hopefully they'll be prosecuted very, very shortly. And Madonna, oh dear, it's gone pear-shaped. Also, Michael Jackson's kids are in the money. Apparently, as they turn 18, they start inheriting uh, Michael's estate, which involves jewellery and uh, artefacts and memorabilia and things like that. So that's good because they've waited a long time. Michael Jackson's estate has increased tenfold, I think. It's now worth a huge amount of money, because when he died, he was, uh, he was flat broke. A bit like Elvis Presley. Elvis, exactly the same. Died broke because he'd lost so much money. And now, of course, the estate. And now they're selling that album and selling it for, for Mother's Day, whereas I bought it ages ago. 
love listening to the Elvis. I just want a whole section of uh, Elvis Presley songs. I could listen to Elvis Presley songs with the orchestrations every single day of the week. Uh, so Spencer Matthews, you remember Spencer? No, you've forgotten him already, have you? Uh, Spencer Matthews was the plank from Made in Chelsea. He was a little show-off. He was the one who bullied people. He was a nasty little piece of work. In fact, he just bedded girls left, right and centre and, of course, they went willingly. And, uh, and then one sold him down the river by taking a picture of him emerging from the bathroom. And that went viral on the internet and everybody had a good old laugh at his expense. Then he turns up in the jungle, but of course he'd taken steroids. And uh, I was getting reports back from people saying he's hallucinating, he's doing all sorts of things. And then he had to sit. Then he disappeared for a while, went off to mummy and daddy's little hotel. And, uh, and he's disappeared. He's now come back hoping to ingratiate himself as what? I cannot imagine. The man's a complete buffoon and an idiot and uh, knew exactly what he was doing. He claims he, he wasn't thinking when he took steroids. This is supposed, supposedly an intelligent person, ladies and gentlemen. What hope for footballers? Uh, the X Factor finalist convicted in court. He uh, had £20,000 in his bank account. It was thieved from pensioners. And uh, the animal rights charity PETA, People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals, have asked Harry to join. That's Prince Prop Up a Bar, Harry. Uh, Harry, who does a little bit of charity work. Harry, who doesn't do many royal engagements. Harry, who's grown a beard, totally against the wishes of the army. And, uh, and his granny as well. But there you go. They've asked him to join, which, of course, is a bit ridiculous, seeing as most of his family are wearing bearskins. His grandfather's got one. His brother's got one. We've seen them all in bearskins, unless they're fake acrylic fur, which I think is very unlikely. And uh, the hole-in-one prize that led to a huge bill for somebody who said, I thought I was cheated. And the court decided that he wasn't. Uh, Julie dropped me a line and said, uh, at 4am, you are my light at the end of the tunnel. I like to be the light at the end. I quite like to be the light at the beginning of the tunnel as well. And uh, says, my mum and I listen to you and enjoy the show. Mum is at the end of terminal cancer. Uh, my little sister's fighting cancer in South End Hospital. Good grief, you've got the set, haven't you? Oh, dear. She says, uh, but I want to thank you for being there for us. Uh, anybody going through this horrendous time, so all the people in St Francis's Hospital and all the staff who've helped Mum to do it with dignity, uh, and my wonderful brother Derek and my dear work friends at Queen's Hospital in Romford. So it's all there completely for you. It is. Listen, everybody goes through something at some point in their life and there's always got to be something, hasn't there? I'm surprised you find the energy or the strength to even listen to a radio programme. It'd be the last thing I'd be doing. When my mum was going through it, the uh, last thing I thought about was a, was a, was a radio programme. But if it gets you through, then that's brilliant. We're driving to Suffolk, says Noreen, for a 60s weekend. Hopefully no snow. Well, I hope so. Oh, I see, I love the idea of Suffolk. Oh, so Suffolk to me, I don't know why. You know, I think of Suffolk, I think of Suffolk Punches, which is a horse, and it's on the, the Branston pickle jar. There's a pit... Oh, my face in the wrong way or something. It's a horse, and it's, it's pulling a plough, and I just think of Suffolk, and I think of pickle. Yeah, when I look at you, I think of... Well, anyway. <laughs> uh, Marmalade, top of the bill, she says. I love to Patsy, Trevor and family. Their little grandson has a major operation today. Very brave young little soldier. So good luck to uh, everybody. Anybody who's going through anything at the moment which kind of upsets the apple cart, good luck. Because it's never easy, is it? Never, never easy. Uh, Big Ron in North Yorkshire says, Don't you think Mr Bean would have made a good host? I know he loves his supercars. Yeah, I mean, I just don't understand why. They don't use somebody from this from this country for it. Why would you have to pick an American? I mean, I wouldn't mind if it's somebody that we're particularly interested in, but we're not particularly interested, are we? And that's what I think is wrong. I mean, how many presenters do you need on this blasted programme? It's ridiculous. They had three last time. Now they've got seven. Seven. 
That's your licence fee they're throwing away. And I mean throwing. They are throwing. Uh, Steve, personally, I think the BBC tries too hard to stay relevant and quite obviously it's failing, says B. Yes. Yeah, I mean, it is. It is. It's a case of it's an awful lot of money. They're throwing an extra 200,000 to try and win us over. I'm not won over immediately. I love Chris Evans to pieces. Love him to pieces. But I'm just not won over by the programme. I don't like any of the other people. Uh, Moyer says, we are high up in the Pennines in West Yorkshire. Four inches of snow. We're in Shelf Halifax. Next village is called Mountain. What, Mountain Shelf? Looks beautiful. Sounds quite nice, doesn't it? I think this, 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 uh, this country is gorgeous. And uh, Ian says, instead of stucking huge amounts of money at established presenters, they should have gone for somebody younger and less well-known. Um, well, they should have done, but of course you can't risk anybody. I noticed the other day that uh, obviously the person who should have been presenting one of the antiques programmes, and there's way too many of those on the telly, uh, is some new woman. And obviously they'd said to her, listen, can you try and develop a personality so we can develop you as one of our new presenters? Because they've tried it with that ghastly Alex Jones and she's failed miserably. So the sooner she disappears, the better. And we find somebody who can do the job. Uh, sheer money burning, Steve. The BBC throwing money away. Well, it's a huge amount of money, isn't it? Huge amount of money. I mean, I've, I've never heard of somebody spending that much money. But that's what the BBC do. As I say, if you probably knew the budget for that programme, you'd be going, what? How much money? How much money? Now, can I get through all the stories that, uh, that I need to get through on this programme? There, there is a lady, actually. It's, uh, it's her birthday. And I think it's today. And somebody sent me her, uh, her phone number. So I'm, I'm going to give her a ring, actually. On the, not actually on air. I thought we'd do that after. Uh, I can tell you her name's uh, Ida. She's probably just fallen off the chair now, I should imagine, because I know she listens to the programme all the time. And so I've, uh, they've given me your phone number, Ida. I know. Just think of the abuse I can hurl down the telephone at you. <laughs> so I'll give you a ring after the programme. OK, wish you, a, wish you a happy birthday. So, stories of the papers. Let me whiz through. There is a, there's a great picture... And, and I like things like this. It frightens me at the same time. It's a, a king of the carnivores. He's a lion with two lionesses. And it looks like he's going to attack this man who's right next to him. But in fact, they're the very best of friends. Uh, this man's name is Kevin. Kevin Richardson. He's built up a remarkable bond. But at the same time, these are wild lions and, uh, and lionesses. This is at a private game reserve where he's founded a sanctuary. And he's built up a relationship with some 30 lions. And so he wrestles with them. Um, uh, the animals take a long time to warm to the photographer who's on top of a... Obviously scared out of his life. Frightened me. You don't argue with lions and tigers. But this man gets on well with them. And um, a fascinating experience. It would be. It frightens the life out of me. It really does. I mean, I've, you know, take my hat off to him. Take my hat off him. Uh, Muhammad Ali wants to meet the Queen. I don't, don't quite understand why, Muhammad Ali. Why all of a sudden we've gone Muhammad Ali? Is this after somebody said the other day, oh, can't we, um, can't we sort of, uh, you know, have him being given a knighthood? And you think, what for? What for? I don't quite understand that at all. Uh, totally untrue recall. Uh, these are people who, um, who, can, who, who claim that they can remember certain things in the paper. Well, I can't remember yesterday. Somebody says to me, you know, what did you do that? I've got no idea. More on uh, the footballer on the pal stag do. Uh, more inside on the chickenpox vaccine on trial at the moment. The BHS jobs. Uh, the judge's plea over Rocco. Madonna says, I want him back, goes to court. The judge goes, don't be silly. You know, sort it out between yourselves. It's not a court case. Don't waste everybody's time. Daniela Westbrook, that complete waste of space. Uh, her toy boy, 
yelled a rude word at her as she was having lunch with friends. I thought she was bankrupt. How could she afford lunch? Anyway, martial arts fighter Tom Richards... Pfft, don't make me laugh. ...approached Danielle and demanded to know who she was with before launching his rant. He then mocked her lifestyle, shouting, ''You'll be dead by Christmas.'' Anyway, it's clear the victim felt very scared. They were at Chingford. He was later arrested, given a 12-month order banning contact with her, fined 120 and told to pay her 100 quid compensation. Uh, as I say, she's going out at the moment with a really young person, isn't she? Uh, what else do we have quickly in the paper? I want to try and find some of these stories. Some of them I've, uh, I've sort of got, um, I've got round the wrong way. There's a fraudster who dodged the bills for lavish restaurant meals. He's been told he must pay in advance to eat out. Neil Rogers uh, runs up lots of bills, then doesn't pay anything. And so somebody said, now, you, listen, you pay in advance. You pay in advance. Uh, nice picture of uh, Adele in America. They can't understand what she's saying. They have to put subtitles up. Subtitles up. I want that for most of the cast of TOWIE. Uh, Sam Smith is tired of performing his debut single, Money on My Mind. He's also come off social media after he was ripped apart on it by saying he was the first openly gay man to win an Oscar, which turned out he wasn't. And uh, the big freeze is here. The Beckham's dirty floor, as Philip Schofield pointed out, the best year of your life is when you're in your 30s. You're in your 30s, and apparently that's, uh, that's supposed to be the best time. And uh, the rest... I don't believe it, actually. I don't believe it's in your 30s. The cancer cure in one jab, say the male. Madonna using the child kidnap law in a battle with Guy. Your son's going to end up hating you so badly, Madonna. Take advice. Take advice from anybody in the business who will tell you that the more you try and drag him back to America, the more he doesn't want to go and the more he will despise you. And the moment he turns 16, he won't want to be anywhere near you. The advice is, really, just try and reach some sort of compromise. Settle your differences out of court with Guy Ritchie. Because once Rocco turns 16, you won't see him for dust. It's quarter past six, LBC News time. And uh, with the latest headlines, Lisa Aziz. Sorry. Steve Allen on LBC. Text 84850. Morning, everybody. Phil Vickery, very late checking in today. I don't like it when people are late. We start at four. I'm not expecting everybody to be there at four, but, you know, at least make the effort. Because it is Friday and uh, you can't talk to me tomorrow, uh, but you can talk to me on Sunday morning. So here, very quickly, is the hole-in-one prize that led to a legal bill. This is um, uh, an amateur golfer called Jake Warner. Uh, he felt very doubly lucky. Not only had he scored his first hole-in-one, but he'd also won a car for doing so. He was photographed next to a £14,000 five-door Vauxhall Corsa 1.3 CDTI, which was adorned with a sign saying, Win this car if you get a hole-in-one. When he tried to claim his prize a few days later, he was told he was only getting a basic three-door one-litre model that cost 8300 doesn't seem quite right. I mean, even I couldn't get my head around this one because it says there's a picture, win this car. It doesn't say win another car. It says win this car. Anyway, he's now ended up thousands of pounds out of pocket after he took Haverhill Golf Club in Suffolk to court and lost on a technicality, leaving him saddled with both parties' legal costs. The judge ruled he was not entitled to the higher value car as he didn't know what vehicle was on offer when he teed off at the start of the competition. I mean, this is obviously some little technique, but I mean, does it really matter? And obviously it does, um, because the uh, some uh, lawyer called Andrew Leakey, who's a legal expert, said that the judge's decision was probably based on basic contract law. So because he didn't know what the prize was, he can't have it. They give him something cheap. I would feel cheated as well. Anyway, he's about 11 grand out of pocket on this thing. So he's not done very well. He said, I was elated 
but it turned out to be something altogether different to what they advertised. Mr Warner played around with three friends at the £10 ahead Haverhill Golf Club, Charity Day last June. He hit his perfect tee shot with a three wood, see now, again, cloud cuckoo land here, uh, a three wood on a 202 yard par three hole. When he arrived at the local car dealership to pick up the prize, he was disappointed to find the car he thought he'd won was not on offer. So he turned down £7,000 in cash, and when negotiations broke down, he took his dispute to Cambridge County Court after a solicitor said he had a very good case. So the solicitor thought he had a good case. I mean, I would have thought he had a good case. I mean, far be it for me to disagree with courts in this country. Uh, but, you know, if it says win this car and then you don't get that car, you would quite rightly feel a little bit aggrieved. Anyway, he lost on what's been branded a legal loophole. And although he's since accepted seven and a half grand in cash, he's three and a half grand out of pocket because he had to pay 11 grand in legal costs. God, blimey. His lawyer refused to comment, but Andrew Leakey, as I say, says that this judge's decision was based on uh, basic contract law. Haverhill Golf Club said the club behaved properly throughout and were fully vindicated. It just stinks, doesn't it? It just stinks. I don't care whichever way you look at it, and I'm sure they were entirely vindicated. But, you know, I would be going, OK, if somebody said to me, Steve, if you manage to get through this programme at exactly 6.30 on the button and you finish exactly on the second of 6.30, you're going to get a bonus of £1,000 and this enormous chocolate Easter egg. And I go, OK, so I finish exactly on the button and they go, uh, right, uh, because you didn't know exactly what size Easter egg we were giving you, we just said enormous. Uh, our idea of enormous is not the same as your idea of enormous. And so we've got this little Cadbury. Well, I'd be aggrieved. I would be aggrieved thinking I'd been cheated. So the poor bloke thought he was going to get it. Now he's out of pocket because he's had to pay legal expenses. You sometimes feel against, against you know, all the odds. It's stacked up against you, isn't it, really? I feel a bit sorry for him, poor little soul. Apparently, Matt LeBlanc was commissioned by Top Gear because of overseas sales of the programme, particularly to America. Not with him on it. Not with him on it. Overseas sales of the programme was based on the last team. They're having problems selling it this time round. Nobody knows what it's like. Because the bits they've seen of it, they don't seem to be utterly thrilled. So, you know, overseas sales of the programme. Matt LeBlanc can't get arrested in America. You know, the, the overseas sales were based on what the last group of people did, not the new ones. And so they wanted... They said, Chris Evans is virtually unknown outside of the UK. Well, put it this way, I shouldn't imagine they'd heard of the last three people either, Ian. Are these people known in America? Richard Hammond known in America? No. Is James May known in America? No. Are any of them known in America? No. They sold the programme, so it doesn't make any difference. The old codswallop you're being fed by the BBC is this diatribe that they come up with that they wanted an established international name to push sales. <laughs> it's going to die on its proverbial, ladies and gentlemen. Dying on its proverbial. I'm telling you now, never wrong. Never wrong. And they'll have chucked a tonne of money at it. Tonne of money. Oh, dear. Dean says, Madonna and Guy's son is old enough to know which parent he wants to be with. Well, not yet he's not. He's only 15. So when he gets to 16, I should imagine he won't be wanting to live with his mother. A little that way. I mean, you wouldn't, would you? Your mother's gone to court to try and get you made a ward of court and to claim that he's been kidnapped. I mean, it's just, it, it's not exactly, you know, if I was in a similar position, not that, you know, Madonna's my mother, I don't want a blood test or nothing like that. I don't know anybody sort of going, is, is she your mother? Because she's not, quite clearly. Never has been, never will, never met her. Don't even know the woman, OK? I'm just thinking that if you start messing around with some kid of 15 who wants to be with his dad... Because he's 15. Why would he want to be with his mother? As I say, you know, he'd never get out of the house by himself. Where are you going? Uh, I'm just going out to get a, a burger. Wait a minute. Security, he's going to get a burger. Could you go, you know, just leave him alone. In London he can walk around. Nobody knows who he is. He's not, he's not well known enough. Uh, 
dear, I don't know. Uh, what have we got here? The best time of your life in your 30s. Oh, dear, says Luciana in the Buxton Snow. Says, uh, I've just turned 40. Oh, well, it's downhill. Downhill. There's no chance for you at all. You might as well just give up now. Start looking at cemetery brochures. You'll have a nice... You know, that looks nice. That's peaceful. Under an old uh, magnolia tree. That would be lovely, wouldn't it? Isn't it terrible that they start saying, this is the best time of your life in your 30s. So, in other words, if you're 40 now, you must be really depressed thinking, wait a minute, that was the best time. But... I don't remember it being the best time. I think the best time is where you are at present time. So, in other words, I think this time is is best time for me. Rubbish for everybody else, I realise, but, I mean, best time for me. I quite like it. Uh, another one here says, uh, Muhammad Ali might want to meet the Queen, and I, want, and I wouldn't mind a toilet made out of gold, but it's just not on the cards now, is it, Steve? No, it's not. I don't know why he wants to meet the Queen. I really don't know. Kevin the Milkman says, can I be a Top Gear presenter? I can drive from A to B and talk to camera. When do I start? Yeah. I mean, why not Nigel Mansell, Damon Hill? You know, all these different people. Uh, Matt says, the Suffolk Punch is a lawnmower. It's a horse as well. Horse as well. We had a Suffolk Punch, actually. We had a Suffolk Punch. To turn it off, you push the little bit of metal onto the spark plug at the top and that stopped. It was petrol driven. I used to love cutting grass. Love it. Oh, cutting grass and Steve Allen. It goes goes kind of hand in hand. Very, very exciting. Listen, sadly, I've got uh, really not much time left. So let me just tell you very quickly uh, that we do have a free podcast up for you, uh, which will be up in about um, 15 minutes. We have to do it in 15 minutes because he needs to get home. Because if he's here and it's daylight, the producer turns into a pumpkin. So he's got to rush home as fast as his little legs will carry him. Daily Star, Johnson to carry on playing football. Uh, alongside some of Britain's worst killers. That'll be in prison. Four inches of snow to hit Britain. Front page of The Sun. A picture of uh, Cheryl Cole. Ghastly picture. I mean, looks emaciated. Seriously, absolutely looks emaciated. But just think that Leanne Payne has seen that with no clothes on. Oh, I felt, felt quite sick then. Uh, Huntley, Belfield and Johnson, all in the same prison. Footy perv to be banged up in child killer's jail. Uh, the Express, they love uh, a weather programme. Story, so they've got Britain set to freeze until Easter. Migrants told keep out of EU. Donald Trump's still out front as the White House race gets nasty. I just don't like, I don't like any of them. I don't trust any of these people in America. I certainly don't, don't, uh, don't trust old Hillary Clinton. She's odd. She's very peculiar. Uh, the New Day paper, uh, this is the internet trolls who could face five years in jail. Fantastic. Listen, start prosecuting. I'll start naming and shaming. But uh, we'll do it again tomorrow morning when we have the best of Steve Allen between five and seven. I'll leave you with thought today that by the standards of the world's greatest national anthem, ours is a bit of a plodding dirge. And um, so there's a bit of a national anthem slowdown. Some people are saying it should be I vow to thee my country. But, you know, I've lived with God Save the Queen for quite a long while, so I'm not too bothered. Not too bothered. Uh, some people are saying we should have Jerusalem. Mm, don't know. I don't know. It'll it'll rage on that one. Ponder on it over the weekend. Uh, do join me tomorrow morning, please. Do remember to download this programme. You never know. I could walk out of here and get run over by a snowplough, in which case you'll be sort of cursing the day that you forgot to uh, to download the programme. The bad news is with Ant and Deck tomorrow, you're going to have to suffer with that dreadfully unfunny Keith Lemon. Lord save us from the dirge of ITV. Don't forget, wherever you are, you can listen to LBC. Download that free app for your mobile or tablet and you never miss a moment. Here tomorrow between 5 and 7 and Sunday morning, it's a cracker. Leading Britain's conversation at 7, Nick Ferrari at breakfast. Follow me on Twitter, at Steve Allen Show. But right now, Lisa Aziz with the morning news. (laughs) 